Okay. Another episode of Crossfade. Let's see what we have in store. Oh, fuck. I'm definitely supposed to know more about the cure than I do. Sarah has picked... Uh, I love Friday. I'm in love. Damn, that's the cure. That's the cure, right? Fuck. Yes. Okay, cool. Whew. Back. Midnight Vultures. It's a good one. Uh, I've been listening to the Phoebe Bridgers cover a lot lately, or maybe Spotify has just been suggesting it a lot. I do also occasionally mix it up with Dancing on a Friday Night by the Darkness, which makes me dumb or old or both. And then there's that song that they play in movies when people are very bad and in a dramatic depression that goes, and that's all I got. Welcome to Crossfade, the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons. I'm your host, Matt Helgeson, joined by my co-host, Jason Daphnis. How are you, Jason? Uh, Tuesday night. I think I'm pregnant again, you know? What? <laughs> wow. It's it's a reference to the... Mu- Never mind. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep going. I didn't <laughs> say just, it. Let's, just get, let's make it weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are super excited. <laughs> uh, we have a very uh, special guest this week, Sarah Elmale. She is a voice actor. Uh, if you've played video games you've probably heard some of her work she's done gears five for honor anthem in the sort of the triple a space and also in some uh you know more critically acclaimed indie games including pyre after party and a really great game that has some kind of cool little musical references in it gone home uh which is uh if you haven't ever played gone home i would highly recommend that uh she's also uh served as game maker relations for indiecade and uh has done a lot of different things from being director and co-host of the indiecade awards uh, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. This should be fun. Yeah. Um, so, Sarah, we're going to get into her pick. Uh, this right. is an album that uh, I am a, uh, I'm a big fan of. It's just It had been a very long time uh, <laughs> since I'd listened to this, and that is uh, Beck, Midnight Vultures. Um, so, <laughs> obviously, Beck, you know, he has a long career, a lot of, you know, yeah. standout albums. I would say, I feel like this is in the middle of kind of his great run, probably going mm-hmm. from Odelay, uh, which kind of made him like, you know, not just the loser, like one hit wonder guy. And mm-hmm. then there was Mutations, was a little more experimental. Mm-hmm. And then there was this, which is kind of like the party record. And then the next mm-hmm. one is Sea Change, which is kind of, I don't know if that's the the hangover or heartbreak record, but, it, mm-hmm. you know, this is definitely in, in Beck's like kind of peak of his powers, I would say. Um so tell me why uh, this this particular album, I guess, is is one of your favorites and why it resonates with you. I think it's um, Nicole Huh. I think is it how you say her last name? She tweeted uh, um, this reflection that was just like, you know, uh, the older you get, the more music listening to music is about wanting to feel a way that you felt before or sort of throw back in time a little bit. And I don't know if that's universally true, but immediately when I started to think of like, What's a favorite album, a whole album that I know inside and out that I listen to obsessively? Like, and I feel like that kind of attention, unfortunately, like I, I wish I were different now and I, that I didn't just sort of like passively heart things on Spotify as it serves me stuff that's vaguely in my like zone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this, this album, I think maybe part of it was also, I mean, I, I'm going to just age myself fully, but I was like, I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, and so I was like, th- I was driving this, this album to me is about driving to school. Um, it's also about being a horny teenager. Um, <laughs> it's a very horny record. It's such a horny, it's such a weird, you know, it's so great. It's very like, I think of it as very Oscar Wildean. It's sort of like trolling and, but fun and charming nonetheless, even as it's kind of like in bad faith a little bit. Um, and, uh, but yeah, having private time to listen to music in the car on the way to school, I think maybe it was maybe was a new kind of way of relating to music. I mean, I certainly was hiding in my bedroom listening to stuff 
for sure. But that sense of like empowerment and agency of being in a car and kind of having a psych up record. Like this, this is this album yeah. is so full of great driving music. Um, and so like throwing on peaches and cream and like trying to go into high school and, and not die <laughs> from, from high school uh, was really, uh, yeah, it sticks out. It sticks out. Is that enough? <laughs> no, that's, that's great. I So for, for me, I was trying to figure it out because I've seen Beck twice and I felt mm. like I... I've I I swear I remember like especially Deborah mm-hmm. and uh, Sex Laws and so I actually did some research. I saw Beck once I think in maybe on the around Sea Change and he toured with the That's Flaming dope. Lips and then yeah. he the Flaming Lips opened and then they were his backing band. Whoa, uh, which was really a cool show. Whoa, um, but I actually saw him before the record came out and he, but he was doing um, uh, mixed business Deborah and Sex Laws on this tour and Whoa. this. I also want to just go through this because this is like the, if you want to talk peak 90s, this <laughs> was it. It was a Zone 105, which is, was our local uh, alternative rock station at the time. They had Zone for the Holidays at the Target Center. Um, and so what is it? Uh, December 1998. The bill was, uh, starting at the first, was Soul Coughing, Semisonic, uh-huh. Marcy Playground, oh, baby. Goo, Goo Goo Dolls, uh-huh. Garbage, Cherry Poppin' Daddies, Big Bad <laughs> Voodoo Daddy, and Beck. Oh my God! So like I cha- I that I challenged. Well, that's nice. That's, right that's a lot. That's a that's, lot of daddies, Matt. That's a lot of daddies. Well, the, the, the <laughs> fact that they had both the like swing revival yeah, bands that's, on that's the same bill is like just makes me it's so nineties because like no one really remembers the swing revival now because it's kind of lame and people remember obviously like uh, excuse the, me I remember the swing revival. Well, you would have you would have been I, I will say. Um, Oh, man. I think that the cherry popping daddies were better than Big Bad Voodoo Daddy in my. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, soul soul coughing was really good. I remember them being really good. But uh, mm. and Beck was Beck came out and obviously was great. Char- garbage was good, but mm-hmm. um, so anyway, but he did three songs off this, and I, me- I remember Deborah going all over really big with the crowd, even though it was kind of like, you know, not out yet. But yeah. I think being Minneapolis, it had such a heavy kind right. of you know Prince, Prince vibe. vibe. Yeah, I mean, he definitely was going for that. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I saw like three of these songs live, and that 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 that's that awesome. that uh, lineup is really cracks me up in retrospect. But uh, so let's get into it. I don't know if do you want to start with Sex Laws? It's the first sure. song, and it's definitely I think sets the tone of this album pretty well. Mm-hmm. This horn part's insanely catchy. Is it okay for me to jump in? Sure. Oh, please. Um, Yeah, it's actually, it's really funny. I feel like I read, I, I visited the Wikipedia just to like figure out what people, because I was a teenager. I didn't know any better. This is my introduction to Beck. This is like, I was, you know, early in my love of music. And I saw some, like, maybe the Village Voice, like, pooped on the on the horn charts. And I was like, oh, I, uh, like, I like them, I guess. Ooh, are they huh. bad? Um, and then I immediately, I saw that Kirk had been on, Kirk Hamilton had been on your show. And I was like, oh, no, what does Kirk think of these horn charts? Oh, no. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, but I feel like the horns to me actually are, are um, 
There's such essential infrastructure in the song, and then the bass just wanders all over the place having such a good time. Like, I am so keyed in with this bass, and it is just, it's like the, the, the social butterfly at the party, just saying hi to everybody, and I love it so much. <laughs> Yeah, to me, to me, this is a very classic Beck song. Like this one would wouldn't be out of place on Odelay either. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he kind of he kind of harks back to almost like I always think of it as almost like '60s like mm. variety show music or something <laughs> like that. You know, like or what's that? What's that old uh, laughing or something like that? I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> I feel like, and I knew that Beck was an, a multi instrumentalist at the time. But I and I sort of assumed that all the instruments were him, and so I just looked up to make sure because I love the bass throughout the whole album to figure out who that was, and it's actually this this fella Justin Metal no Justin Meldel Johnson, and so I feel like I, I need to shout. I don't him know out that name. Like, I, yeah. He's worked with a lot of people. I mean, it's also Nine Inch Nails, like a whole bunch of folks. Oh, um, he's like a, a real pro studio guy, probably. Yeah, dude. And I was like, I just I want to say on this podcast, thank you for twenty years of loving your bass lines, my guy. Yeah, it's great bass. The banjo. Love, yeah, the banjo. I, I actually called this section out. It was like, and the little pedal steel, uh, like kind of smoky mm-hmm. in the bandit kind of thing, or Dukes of Hazard. So good. This was also like, I think I didn't understand the incongruity of these elements again because I was too young. I was like, sure, wee, this is fun. Like, and the idea that these would belong to different musical idioms was like, I was like, I don't know, sure, mashup, why not? Yeah. I- like was that what's the question I'm trying to ask here did that give you any sort of presupposition for what music genres were like I can't imagine like having this be a formative album for somebody (laughs) and not have it be like oh I understood that it was pulling from jazz and from hip hop and from like ska and stuff did you have that familiarity with all those other genres too or was it just like okay this is music and I'm going to define other things by back too I yeah I mean I can't think that I that I flagged all these things that way. I, I just don't think that I did. Probably not. Um, so, yeah. So, I, and it actually reminds me, I don't know, maybe this is, hopefully this isn't racist. But I feel like um, going to Japan, there was a lot of sense, the same kind of exuberance of like mashing up things that, that sort of like, that. so where someone might, that you know, in, in the, the West, someone like, might leave you exposed to being like, that belongs to something else. And they're like, I don't oh, care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it fun? <laughs> and so like that, that energy is here for me. So I don't think I did, I didn't have that either, that criticism and probably not even the awareness to like isolate those things and be like, oh, interesting. He's drawing from mm-hmm. X. But there's, we could do that a lot on a lot of these tracks. It's like, yeah. oh, what's that? Oh, yeah. that's fun. I think, I mean, to me, that's sort of fundamental to Beck is kind of, he's sort of a magpie in a certain Mm -hmm. respect where he kind of, to me, that's almost like if I think of anything with Beck, I think of a guy that kind of just like, hey, I'm going to take from like 60s pop and like 80s hip hop and like disco Mm -hmm. and folk music and, you know, he, and he just kind of mashes stuff up and he, you know, and yeah, I mean, he's really good at it, obviously, but um, I, I kind of, I feel like that's sort of his signature to me is just. He's pretty agnostic in terms of genre. He seems to sort of want to just take sounds. You know, maybe that's a hip-hop influence of just kind of taking samples and stuff, but mm. you know, in a musical respect. Um, that's exceedingly we, well put. Um, should we do, let's do Nicotine and Gravy. This is another, uh, to me, one of the hit. Do mm. you want to take it from the top? Yeah. It's funky. It's so much swag. Ah. 
This also, I, I was curious on this. Is that? Oh, sorry, I don't want to step on this. <laughs> but this seemed very back to me. Is that? Um, I, I was curious because you can hear faintly in, in headphones. Um, mm. That there's a little record static at the beginning there, mm. and I looked it up, but this, it's not actually a sample. <laughs> so like he added record static on purpose, <laughs> just to kind of like simulate a, a, a sample, which is I think is kind of a funny concept. Love it. Let me know if you can hear me if like anything, because I'm I can't not dance to this. So if I like hit gear, like let me know. <laughs> <laughs> no party, go yeah, go dude. for it. So this is. This is uh, Windows Down driving music for you and dancing music for you? Yeah. What's the difference? You don't dance while you drive? That's a good good point. You got a good point. You know? They're both rhythmic. There's something really startling about listening to Beck's music and then seeing a picture of Beck. <laughs> when, he, when he talks about like leaving graffiti where you've never been kissed and massaging your soul, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's not like he has the most like sensual voice. But the things that he's singing about, I would imagine that he, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm saying prejudiced uh, things I know about his like very frail, like meek-looking guy. <laughs> but it's just a very funny experience. Well, and it's also like the joy of the persona, like this whole yeah. album again. Like yeah. whose voice is that? Who's thoughts or real feelings are on this album except just like you know a performance that's again that kind of wildian thing yeah um and also oh man that the graffiti line made me think of the news i was like oh no army hammer oh get out of my heart oh yeah no Beck is, this is definitely a persona and it's interesting the neck you know sea change the next album is almost like the opposite right. it's very kind of like right. melancholy folk thing so he um, I'm pretty sure his parents were kind of like 60s art people. Mm. I think they were involved in the Fluxus art movement, which is kind of like an mm. early performance art. And I think Yoko Ono was kind of attached to Fluxus. Yeah, um, she was. Absolutely. So he kind of came from that LA, you know, Southern California, weird, like post hippie kind of art scene. So I think he's kind of conceptual. Yeah. Flexus also being, I think, a direct lineage in games. We're a sort of how much do we tie things into games on this podcast? And I'm not really sure. As much as much as you like. As much as we like. Yeah, Flexus. Games, game design. Uh, fill me in. What is this? Oh, um, so Fluxus, like I think, and I, I'm pretty sure that John Lennon encountered Yoko Ono in, in one of these ways, but they would have these, they did a lot of work that was um instructions. So they would just sort of instruct you through, like the work itself was a set of instructions for an experience or something to think about or something to do hmm. that you, the viewer, would you know either do or just think about doing or whatever. Um, and that to me seems very sort of interactive and, and um, design-based. So um, I know a lot of folks who are who are like, at least folks like myself who are frustrated at the siloing off of games and game design away from other things and other disciplines really tweaks me out. And so that's an example, an easy example to point to in fine art. Interesting. Okay, I, I wanted to check myself. So it's even deeper. So his his grandfather, Al Hansen, was one of the original Fluxus people. Wow. Um, and then, so his mom, uh, B.B. Hansen, she was a protege of Andy Warhol. Wow. part of the Warhol factory. So he's got heavy very, Warhol stuff here. Yeah, he's got very deep kind of like, you know, left field art credentials in his family. Yeah. Dig that. So Sarah, what what's what's next on the on the mega mix? What's next on the thing? Oh well I think I wanted to there were let's see. Um 
Well, there's that at 146 in nicotine and gravy. I'm like, am I nuts or is this day in the life? Like, is that sort of there's a big swell and then it hits the, the breakdown. Oh, really? And I was just wondering if that was just me making that up. I'll start it just a little bit ahead of that in 146. Yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah. hear it. Yeah, I hear it. I don't know if right. it's the same thing, but... The string's in the back. Yup. Yeah, yeah, that totally. helps. I didn't put that together, but yeah, that does sound like day in the life. I'm not, I don't think it's the exact same, but... Sort of invoking, and then you hit the... Yeah, baby. Hmm. As long hmm. as we're pulling out moments, Jason, let's go to four, because I, I kind of like this jam at the end. And yeah. Kind of like snake charmer music. I wonder. I was wondering. This is again where my music theory was frustrating. Where I was like, I know that this is just a mode, and I just don't know what mode this is. Yeah, I had something. Probably like <laughs> Phrygian. Phrygian. Yeah, one of those. And I think it's uh, Mixolydian, actually. Mixol. Yeah, right. Perhaps, perchance. Uh, all right. Here's four minutes at Nick and Teen and Gravy. Yes. That one. Like, this section is just the one-two punch. You got, like, a clavinet doing the really funky thing. You got the drums in the back doing a very compressed, like, minimalist thing. And then you have, I, I don't know, like you said, Snake Charmer music, like Klezmer or whatever well, in the background. Yeah. I looked it up, and, the, the, you know, like, there's sort of a, if you remember from movies, the, the guy's always, like, in front of the basket with the snake. It mm-hmm. looks kind of like a flute, but it's got sort of a, a round part. On it, and it's called a punji, apparently. Mm. So it could be that, or it could just be a synth. It sounds like it probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I, very I love this so part. psychedelic. <laughs> All right, nicotine and gravy. What do you yeah. want to hear next, Sarah? Okay, let's see. I just, I also want to say that like around another major feature in my musical development was like I saw probably like eleven live fish shows in high school. <laughs> oh wow! Um, while also like never doing drugs, which is a funny thing to do to try and do. <laughs> well, that's a t- that's a tough road. <laughs> it's also I mean I'm convinced I was hotboxed in many a stadium, but um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, but I had this massive tolerance for jams and jamming in general was like a, a was a like a learning tool for me to really isolate and understand the interplay between instruments. So I feel like mm-hmm. those those flourishes here. I was like, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so mix business. Let's see. Um, well, I lo- I have a fl- I have a flagged at twenty six like this whatever the seventies ass disco rhythm guitar is, it's just so fun. I'm a big sync. I'm a simp for syncopation. That's me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this record's got great. It's just there's always sort of this percolating different yeah. rhythms on everything in this. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, please. He's definitely, I mean, Prince definitely casts a shadow over this whole album. Oh, yeah. He's, right. he's living in his falsetto, and I am here with him to celebrate it. It's hard not to sing, too. <laughs> Good warm up. Up and down the octave, baby. Oh, man, yeah. 
Sarah, you spent mm, sorry. a lot of time with this album. Um, <laughs> what? What? What the fuck? What the fuck is he is he saying or singing? Is it just I like phrases know. that are meant to evoke sort of a horny little impish character? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just pure. I kind of think it's just pure provocation. Like there are, um, there are definitely. There's. A, I think we're coming now into the section where there's like it feels to me like two more explicit kind of music industry satire mm. kind of like screw you guys kind of stuff. But most of it is just like yeah, it's just like yeah, it's horny bacchanalia on a yeah. spaceship. Yeah. This is what I think of. <laughs> you know? I feel like he's he's uh, for me, he's like really riding a knife edge on this whole album. Mm. Of like, almost sometimes I'm like, mm, buddy, uh-huh. you should dial it back a little bit yeah. with the lyrics, especially uh, <laughs> on one uh, another different song than this. But you know, most of the time it's like it's just so infectious that he kind of pulls it off. Totally, maybe just, despite the fact that it on paper shouldn't really work, but it, it's just like mm-hmm. the songs are just too catchy, and like he's just yeah. got such a good sense for uh, arrangements and melody but that's that's uh, the wildy and te- like that to me feels like the i don't know if he consciously set himself that as a challenge but like I, and this is me like taking what one one semester of oscar wilde right and reading a bunch of stuff <laughs> but my and my main takeaway was that he kind of like hated his audience <laughs> and was also charming and quite insightful <laughs> and so that interplay of like how much are you going to love me even though i hate you <laughs> is like kind of the not that he's like trying to push you away but he's definitely winking and and sh- and shoving and then mm-hmm. but he is just so good and it's so hooky yeah, yeah. Like, all right baby sure and that's the seduction to me yes exactly yeah it's like it's a line between parody self-parody and like sincerity that sort of all but you can tell he likes it too you know what i mean like he, he mm-hmm. he's like he's sort of you could say he's kind of poking fun at this type of music but you can also like he he's too good at it to really yeah come off like uh condescendingly in, in a way you know he doesn't hate that. what he's making no, he no 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 yeah yeah there yeah. was a phrase you used earlier sarah that it's almost like in bad faith does that <laughs> like envelop the lyrics and the attitude behind it as well i think it's i think a lot of it is the lyrics but maybe some of it is like i don't care certainly it's like i don't care for your rules i don't care if you think mm. these things don't go together i don't care if you think i'm ripping people off i don't think <laughs> i don't care there's a lot of i don't care even though yeah, yeah. he's like you know it makes me enjoy all of it anyway um, maybe, maybe bad faith is a strong word, but I think there's that, but actually Warhol is a, the, another part of it. Like, is this art? Is this art? How about this? Like, like mm. that kind of, you know what I mean? Like that kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are some examples of that? Where else should we go from here? Um, gosh, I also wrote down in mixed business that 250, that there's glitches in the matrix. And I was like, it came out in the same year. What? <laughs> uh, it gets very glitchy. Um, but let's see. Uh, which actually made me think that there was maybe like there's it segues into um, the robot malfunctions and in intro to get real paid, which is just so aggressive and annoying. It sounds like someone's trying to close their robot's head in a fridge or something like whatever that <laughs> yeah. sound is. Um, so we can yeah, certainly that... listen to that if we wanted to hate ourselves. Yeah, get real paid is good. Sure. But get real paid is good. Yeah. We're listening from about 250 in mixed business for that uh, breakdown. So just some of the glitches into it. Yeah. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that rhythm guitar is so good. I love it. Love it. It's like James Brown. Mm. That's very James Brown, that. Uh-huh. That mm-hmm. thing right there. That, that's straight Motown, you know? Yeah. 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 Some more. Yeah. It's kind of like Motown meet, meets like a dial-up modem. 
Motown wrote them. Ah. Yeah. Right. And then we'll wrap right. up into the. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. The, the actual trail out gets here. I'll go. just let it go straight in, yeah. yeah. Like, what's that? What was that? <laughs> here, robot murder. What are we doing, team? It is telling, though, that, like, this section, I didn't notice that it was a separate track until, until I started mm -hmm. watching, like, the tracks go by. Mm-hmm. I feel like I often skipped Get Real Paid, actually, when I oh, listened really? to it as a kid. I did. Yeah. Um, I'm trying why, to think why about do you why. Think that is? Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to, I don't know. Some of it's, um... After all this sort of like swell, like anti-musical isn't the word that I'm looking for because it is obviously music. But it's um, it's dry somehow. Mm. Well, um, Jason, this is a callback to a previous episode with Jeff Green, but uh, this is built basically on uh, a sample of Home Computer by Kraftwerk. Mm -hmm. ah, so maybe that's like the different vibe <laughs> like, that. that you just don't like no, I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's, but it is you know, like. This is probably the most sample-based one, I, I would say. You know what I mean? That mm -hmm. like, like a lot of this is kind of the straight track in certain respects to home computer. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, this this to me has the most like musical as metaphor kind of thing to me because it, it just picking out tiny clips of lyrics. It's like, you know, we like to ride on executive planes or whatever. So to me, it's like, oh, just sort of digitizing, binarizing the music industry a little bit. A lot of this is is also LA satire, right? So. There's a line at 128 that I, there's a pre-chorus at 044 that I liked, and one at 128 there's a little chip tune line that gave me Disaster Piece vibes that I liked. There we go. That's the guy. I think I'm hearing what you mean by dry. It's it's flatter than other tracks. It doesn't like have the a whole lot of the dynamic dynamic range as some of the other tracks on this album. Yeah, I think if I were if it, in voiceover, I would say it's off voice. I mean, and it oh. literally, but it's in it, through the instrumentation as well, right? So like, th if this is me speaking on voice, like off voice, would be sort of it's more of like fry maybe, where I'm just not really huh. there's no tone coming through, you know. So right. and so I'm just like, where's my hook? Where's my hmm? Yeah, yeah. And where I do else like in this, this track? Chorus, though. That's not Beck, is it? No, that seems like just confirming. Yeah, I saw it that could, Beth Orton could... is doing backup vocals somewhere on this album, and oh, I don't wow. know where. I know. I saw it just like on the Wikipedia. I was like, "Excuse me." Yeah, he probably has a lot of. Yeah, he seems like he has just a lot of like random music industry friends type. You know. Yeah. Well, should we move on to sure. another one? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's. Hollywood Freaks is also, I think, perhaps a tough listen and also that, a dark uh, music okay. parody Hollywood and maybe Freaks. racist. Yeah, <laughs> maybe is it racist? Uh, well, I was going to say that Hollywood Freaks is the one that in retrospect now, listening to it with ears, fresh ears now, um, that I feel like that knife edge he's walking yeah. to me starts to feel, it feels off on this song and it feels, it starts to feel maybe a little 
minstrelly or disrespectful in a way. And there's certain times where I I feel like he's specifically um, kind of aping the rapper Cool Keith on a few parts who Mm -hmm. at this time had this, you know, did these kind of like, you know, he had a record called Sex Style and stuff. But it's just the way Cool Keith raps is kind of distinctive. And I, I feel like it was a little bit. Yeah, I don't know, taking a shot at that or something. Hollywood so Freaks I, is a bit sour milk for me on this. Uh, of all, yeah. Things well, should this, we just yeah. should we we want to hear it or should we just I don't know, we, we can give, give I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess we talked about it. We should we should. Yeah, it's educational. Did, did Let's do it. Yeah, but yeah, this was yeah, the only one that kind of hit a, a bum note for me on this record. I would say. agreed. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's kind of like uh, Disney with Song of the South. They're gonna leave it out there. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't know say it's that as long bad, as it's contextualized and and you know there you go properly. All right, here we go. Jumping in, not co-sign this approach, Beck Hansen. Uh, Hollywood freaks at one minute. Yeah. Like that right there is very, to me, cool. Mm. Mm. I think the opening is really where, like, it starts out from the gate where you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely adopting a certain Woo! vocal performance there. Yeah, and the voice and the accent, I don't know. Like I feel like this wouldn't make the record today. I agree. If it if it came out today, yeah. someone would be like, "Hey, the parties, yeah. we're not having fun right now." Yeah, check yourself before you beck yourself. <laughs> oh no! What have you done? Listen, listen. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, Matt. You and I are on fire with the one-liners. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> I don't well, feel like I'm on fire. Pretty but good. Maybe, you maybe you're on fire. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, I think I speak yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably yeah. time to I think we leave got this it. one in the dust. Sorry, People bud. get the idea. <laughs> it's an album but, of its time. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. yeah that was the uh, one that, so, I mean, we could... I, I, I think Peaches and Cream brings a good vibe. I oh, definitely. love Peaches and Cream. That's, this you is actually my, capitalized, probably my favorite. Yeah. I, I copied over all the notes, and then I just stripped it out for the for the timestamps, except that um that was the, the caps was a holdover. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, do you want to jump in anywhere in particular? You got a few spots, but we can start from the top. It opens so nice. All right, let's do that. I love the guitar work on this. It's like all these kind of semi-random sounding riffs that somehow work mm-hmm. together on this mm-hmm. on this song. It's beautiful. And the, the interplay between the bass and the and that whining little note on the guitar mm-hmm. is so fun. Don't tell your right hand, baby, what your left hand do. Oh, I'm a scandalized teen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> where Where are you when you listen to this? What What jumps into your mind? Where physically in my memory? Yeah, I'm in my my first car on the way to school for sure. Set Set the scene. What are we <laughs> talking like? Shitty like first car style car? Or? Uh, no, it was nice. It was a It was a Forester. Oh, nice. I had a little Damn. Forester, and I was so excited to be to be moving about. Um, of my on my own of my own accord. Um, yeah, but I mean, I also, you know, we probably also listen to this um, in my boyfriend's bedroom a lot too, but that's, we're going to leave mm-hmm. that alone. But, um, yeah, driving a lot, singing a lot, being awake at 7am, which I try never to do. 
<laughs> New Jersey? All right, New Jersey. I just love this. The guitar is so, like, weird on this, but it works. Yeah. It sounds like three different guitar players playing different things. Mm-hmm. Different songs. I'm surprised I don't hear you talk about Jack White more, Matt, because this, this mm-hmm. kind of thing is kind of where he's at these days. Just, really? like, bending and mixing and... I mean, not oh. this funky, but, like, technically, mm-hmm. this approach to his music is how he's doing it these days. Okay. It's yeah, not I always good. Lost touch with him. It's rarely good, but... Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. You should listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I would love something that is this funky. Will someone please immediately tweet it at me? Because I would love more of this. I was a dancer before I was a, a voice actor. So rhythmic motivation uh, is big for me. Oh, wow. So you danced like professionally? No. Okay. Or All right. Like, I, I, amended. I did ballet <laughs> when I was little. No, but I, I did. I discovered theater and acting through musical theater by way of being like a chorus girl. Um, and I did do ballet when I was younger. My my grandmother was a ballerina. And then um, I actually did Indian dance in college. And of the late, since moving to LA, I've done tango. Oh, nice. Yeah. Could you could you tango to this, Sarah? You can tango to anything, baby. Ooh. Oh, really? Well, I thought yeah, tango is like a very defined rhythmic thing. Tango is a very, I mean, technically speaking, it's a very codified music set of which there are three different kind of modes or rhythms that you can dance to, malanga, tango, and waltz or valse. Um, but the thing about tango that's so dope is that there's no set pattern that repeats. Um, I mean, there's certain common patterns that people use as phrases, just the way that in English we have things that we say a lot. But um, any any step can technically follow any other step. So there are things that lead themselves to dancing more in terms of how much space is between the beat, the you know the downbeats as far as footfalls. But like, if you have feel and a, and an intuitive musical partner, you can dance to anything. It's the best. Best breakdown on the album. That's great. I don't know There's about anybody so much else. Layering. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say. What, what, I don't know about anybody else. When I hear that breakdown, did anybody else watch the Tim and Eric Awesome Show Christmas special from like five, six years no, ago? No, I never did. Yeah, maybe it's not worth referencing. But they talk about keeping your Christmas bush trim and wet, <laughs> and with no context for that. Uh, so every time I hear this line, that's where you go. That's and where, where I are. go. I'm I'm in my uh, Acura, whatever it was, watching. Tim and Eric talk about the Christmas Crimbus wow. bushes. I have a story to tell you later. Oh, off their so- story. Off their story. Are these um <laughs> these horns? Are they just me? I don't know if anyone else remembers this. This uh, Oasis track um, called "Round Our Way." Anybody? No, I don't. I don't know. Ah, Should we pull it up? Shoots. I only know the hits from Oasis pretty much. It's such a it's a party it, like uh, there's a there's a community question that addresses this actually I I think was introduced to it off of a from a movie a life less ordinary. Um, oh, okay. But oh, that was a good movie. I forgot about I, that. One. It's I love it. It's weird. I don't even know that, if it holds together, but is it's that so Cameron, fun. Cameron Diaz and it's Ewan McGregor. Epic. Oh, Cameron Diaz, Peak Diaz, and and Peaky. Ewan McGregor is is adorable, and they're great together. And it's uh, Danny Boyle pre. You know, pre Danny Boyle. Um, well, post Train Spotting, but just post Train Spotting. Oh, okay. Um, wow. 
and it's got an amazing cast. But and the soundtrack is great. But anyway, those horns, those kind of like exhilarating, kind of like good morning horns to me always make me think of Round Our Way. So for our next song, I feel like we got to end with Deborah. Yeah. That ends, do we, is there anything we want to hear before Deborah? Before Deborah? Golly geez. I, Broken Train is also a really fun driving song, but I don't have as much to say That was a song I didn't remember it. off the album that I actually was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, you yeah. know, like it was just, but it wasn't one of the ones like, you know, Mixed Business or Nicotine and Gravy or Deborah, you know, that some of the mm-hmm. the more hits, I guess, if you want to say. Um, this, I also, Milk like and so Honey is good too. Yeah, Milk, I honestly, like aside from, what do I skip? Like, I mean, when I, when I was listening to it growing up, I probably skipped those two, you know, Get Real Paid and Hollywood Freaks. And then I listening to it, I'm like, so many of these are solid. And I think actually I was just dissing spot, the Spotify method of listening to music, but I've like individually faved, refaved like most of this album. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, Broken Train has all that fun xylophone, whatever that is going on. Um, yeah, it was either vibes or xylophone. Yeah, vibes. It's great. Um, Milk and Honey has this glockenspiel. Something, something hammer, hammered on. Um, Milk and Honey has a really goofy intro um, and is really fun. There's I, 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 big... I, I wrote Walk of Shame question mark at 337. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, see, right. I like oh. the, and I had three twenty five because I actually kind of like mm. the, um, I like that weird. That's a really unexpected change on this song. So let's hear the the big. It's get, it starts off with kind of a big seventies rock riff, and then gets in some more funky stuff, and then it, I think around that three twenty five, three thirty is a cool, uh, really unexpected left turn in the song. All right, we'll play a little at the top. <laughs> this might kind of Jack White almost. Yeah. That riff. Just such beepy boopy funk. Yeah. It's a lot of yeah, a lot of beeps and boops on this record for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a technical term. Yeah. <laughs> But that was another cool part is just the level, like, to your point, um, I think something I appreciate now just because, you know, I, I was probably listening to this on CD in either a car yeah. or like a boombox or something. And so listening to it on like, you know, my work computer and like better headphones and stuff is like, there's so mm-hmm. many details in these songs that I probably just sort of like got, you know, I just wasn't listening to it that closely or on, yeah. you know, very nice mm-hmm. stuff. And it, it's really, it is very detailed arrangement. It's really, um, yeah, especially in the balance. There's so many things that are balanced to create so much space um, and, like, dynamism in, in, in between these parts. Sometimes it's probably a little even to the point of a troll, but still. There was definitely speaking of things that I never heard before, like because of the good headphones. There's some line, and I don't, I didn't actually put a timestamp on it, but someone, I don't know if it's Beck or someone else, says, "I can smell the VD in the club tonight," like in a really like low hush. Okay. And I was like, "Beck, <laughs> gross." That's okay. Stop you could've, it. Could have cut Don't that shame people. Yeah, yeah. You're like, ah. <laughs> All right, let's fly to 320 to hit that part. Yeah, Matt was talking this is, about. This yeah. Is, I love this because it's like it's so out of character with the rest of the album and mm-hmm. I, a lot of these songs take kind of weird turns and I think that's one mm-hmm. of the strengths of this too yeah alright here we go so. 
This is what I wrote as Walk of Shame. <laughs> oh, after the night's over? <laughs> yeah. The next morning? Yeah. yeah it turns and they're into still like a... singing the chorus, and you're like, uh, retired? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, suddenly it's like a Neil Young acoustic riff with like synths squiggling all over it. Yeah. Or just people like still at the club, but like sleeping on each other's shoulders trying to dance. Yeah, I really like this coda. Mm-hmm. That guitar feels very sea, like sea change, prescient. Hmm. Yeah, it actually does. Which segues really nicely into Beautiful Way, actually. Yeah, I, I had that in my notes that Beautiful Way was kind of the one that I felt like kind of looked forward to the, the next yeah. album. Mm-hmm. Let's hear a little bit of that and then we'll, we'll go to Deborah. Yeah. I think should be the end because it's the end of, you know. We should. There's only one, there's one sound cue in Pressure Zone that I want, but it will take no time at all. All right. Beautiful Way. Yeah. It's like wedged right between mutations and sea change. Yeah, this is a pretty song. Mm-hmm. Also great driving music. Oh, I can imagine. Not while you're tired, though. This is the kind of music that would put me to sleep if I were already tired. That's true. May I recommend a two-lane highway in the middle of the country? Oi. I... Oi. Skyline. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that piano is doing it for me. There's a slide yeah. guitar at 140 that really does mm. it for me. I think we got the vibe. Let Sarah, me fly you to said you grew up in New Jersey? I did. So, are you like... Um, <laughs> are you almost the same age as Meadow Soprano? Like, you know what I mean? Huh. I feel like I feel like when she was going to high school, you were probably going to high school in real time. That's a really good question. Um, we're about probably about to get into a fight about whether Central Jersey exists as a distinct entity from North Jersey. I, which is I don't have a I horse in that race. Of, yeah, I don't even Yeah, I don't really have a horse in that race either. Uh, that's a good question. When did when did Meadow Soprano? When did when did the Sopranos? When was well, that? I, I didn't, certainly Soprano, didn't watch it at the time. Soprano started in 99 and she was like still she hadn't graduated yet. Yeah. All so, right. Yeah. Around, I mean, it's close. That's me. A regular. She might have been like a year or two ahead of you, but you know, you would have been. Yeah. You would have known her. You would have hung out. Yeah, we would have. I, I feel like, and it's actually, it's super classist and gross. But like at my school, we had like maybe one gal who had a proper Jersey accent, and she, and she, she was a little like, she was a popular chick, but like that was like, <laughs> look at your accent. That's so cute. Like it, we did not have accents in the, oh, the middle okay. of Jersey. Huh. Yeah. I see. This is like. The true Garden State area. Gar- Dude, it is. Yeah, gar- yeah, a lot of tomatoes. <laughs> right. I've got one more time stamp in this song at 335. This is that so harmonica. I'll, yeah, I'll fly to that and then we can get into uh, Pressure Zone. Yeah, for just one second. I don't even know if it's good harmonica. It's just working for me. 
It sounds like Cowboy Bebop, so something's going right. <laughs> I love that soundtrack. Soundtrack score? Soundtrack. I don't know. Did you see that just got a, I think it's first vinyl release? <gasps> I actually need, this is the perfect crowd to put this to. I would like to actually introduce way more active listening into my life, and I am in need of a turntable or a, a, a record player. Um so that I can do that. And I, I'm willing to spend some money so that it's worth the effort, but it's. I also probably shouldn't spend so much money that it's lost on an idiot like me. So whatever <laughs> is the perfect in-between would be I'm, fabulous. <clears throat> I'm not too proud to tell you that I got got on a deal uh, for an incredibly cheap but good one. <laughs> this is my fault, was, though. How is this useful I, to me? You I got a great deal that I won't get? What's no, no, this? it was it's a called podca- Podcast content, Sarah. You'll learn. Uh, <laughs> it was too good. It was it too was, good to be was, true. It was... So we got the link, and I like jumped on the deal because it seemed to be limited. It was like 90% off. Cool. It was like an $80 turntable for, I don't know, a $600 turntable or whatever. Uh. And then... Taking a second look at the URL, my friend sent or uh, that another friend received. He was like, "Is that audiotechnicass.com? Oh, and it was just and a complete like, oh, bunk shit. URL for the oh, Audio Technica no. brand that somebody yeah. had set up as like a shell oh, website. No. And oh, so don't we gotta, do that. We're getting our I guess. money back, though. I hope you had a porn star come to your house. <laughs> no, <laughs> in placing. I, I knew also that <laughs> Audio Technica probably didn't have a Hotmail address. When I got my confirmation email, so... Oh, no. I'm sorry. Whatever. Uh, But but yeah, tweet tweet at... What's your at? Selmale. S-E-L-M-A-L-E-H. With your uh, hot turntable recommendations. Yes, please. Um, I mean, turntable, is that for DJs and like and scritching? Or like, what's the difference? No, it's the same. It's all the same. It's the same. Okay, great. Record player for playing records. Thanks so much. (laughs) <laughs> was there a section of either intro or pressure zone that you wanted to listen to? So it's it's actually right at the beginning at, at three seconds in. It's just a single sound effect. <laughs> it's just that freaking knife sharpen. <laughs> the shing. <laughs> <laughs> it kills me. It doesn't appear anywhere else in the track, right? It's just a complete one off. Hang on. Uh, I think it might, but it's definitely never to get center stage again, I don't think. Yeah, there it oh, is. there we go. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. I want more shing, more shing. I love that shing, baby. Was that really all you wanted to hear in this track? I think that, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. Excuse me, please. Can I hear the shing? No, there was also um, at the 227 I flagged as like, I don't know. I feel like Buffalo Springfield isn't what I'm actually thinking, but some sort of 60s-esque kind of breakdown. All right. I'm sure Matt can help us pinpoint it. 227, just before that. We don't have to spend a lot of time, though. I don't want to, we want to get to Deborah because it's the best. Now, what is this? What is this? Yeah. Oh, he did a little harmonic like that, uh, you know, for mm. what it's worth. Buffalo yeah, Springfield. that's what I was Yeah, totally. Thinking like, of. Something happening here. Yeah. Like a clarinet squawking or something? Yeah, something. <laughs> or a recorder? Is that a recorder? Like a school recorder? <laughs> I want to see this session room. Like, what is, yeah. what is happening? I feel like there's here. a lot of instruments just all over the place. It's like, a garage yeah. sale. Yeah. All right. All right. Deborah. So I think we've gotten to I, our. Yeah. Deborah's. Our hit. Yep. Yeah, this is the. 
It's such a crowd pleaser. And it's funny because that you said it was a crowd pleaser at a show because I have a story about Deborah, which is that my brother, and I asked for permission to tell this story. He played it. He covered it with a band for like a, an outdoor music festival. <laughs> and he 100% stared at a friend of ours, girlfriend's. It like in the face on the song. His name was Deborah. Uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. And he said he, what the, what he specifically said to me was, "You, you gotta you gotta make sure the uh, the the audience knows who's boss." <laughs> what yeah. he said about well, the song. Okay, <laughs> but it, it is rare that you know to do material that hasn't been released yet at like a big you know multi band radio station festival thing and have it go over is like extremely hard to do. You know, because mm-hmm. people just mm-hmm. they, they want you to just do loser and whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it was impressive because it definitely I remember it going over very, very well. It's it's great. It's great. It feels like it's it's so its own identity, but it feels of another time and it just feels like you've always known it. <laughs> hmm. All right. Here's Deborah. I don't know if it actually is, but that upright bass sound. Right? Isn't fretless, it great? It just works so well. I love it. That's I wrote that down. FTW. Yeah, I feel like it is uh, upright. Yeah. It definitely sounds like it, but you know, I've I've heard just like regular fretlesses that sound very much That's whatever. true, yeah. Mm. With like flat wound strings. Mhm. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this might be a JC Penny. That's a that's a lost a time reference now. That right. JC Penny's pretty much done. Right at any mall. This is also this is another one of those LA songs. Like this is just full of the LA references. Like I did not know what Zanko Chicken was in New Jersey. I, I did not don't. know the implication. <laughs> it's like a I don't know if it's actually a chain or not. I definitely haven't had it yet. I should go make a pilgrimage. Yeah, absolutely. Like, excuse me, is Beck here? Yeah. Chicken. <laughs> He's I, totally not. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt I if he's know, never like, actually I, been there or ate there ever. He just right. saw it or something. Sure. Just like he's never driven a Hyundai. <laughs> and I didn't know what Glendale meant. Like Glendale, I think, is just like we're building this picture of like a real scrub. And I did not know. Yeah, Glendale's in the were. valley, right? That's kind of like a It's uh Is it in the valley? It's just way east. It's just way east before probably before East was cool. I think it's cool now. Glendale's cool now. I sure hope that the, that our sound is synced because otherwise I'm just hitting everything. <laughs> it's fine. Actually, I feel like I could just pause the music and just you want to just take it away. <laughs> he's about to do like he's. It's the talkie. It's. I got a lot of sympathy. What is it? Where is it? Yeah, because you got something. That I just got to get with. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, these hits, these horn hits. Oh yes, please. I think it's a. How close are we to two forty-four? Very close. Fifteen Great. seconds. Great. Yeah, baby, step on in my Hyundai. Take you up to Glendale. <laughs> There it is. Twice as nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. 
Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, please. I don't want to interrupt this. <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny. It's, I wonder how much you have to do. It takes so much commitment to hit something that high. Yeah. I just love that. He does have a strong falsetto. I mean, he can he really. He does. Some people kind of mess around with it. It's sort of a semi-joke thing, but which it is sort of a semi-joke for him, but he can like right. he can go up and get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. He All built the, the whole song it. on it. Ah! Like it's fucking, it's up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's funny because this is, well, if you're listening to the CD, this is the last track, and he's built like the whole album around just a disparate set of noises, and this one's pretty straight, like funky, mm. sexy R and B. Yeah. And it doesn't dial it down at all. It still keeps that energy and the like for lack of a better term, weirdness, mm-hmm. but it's not like, I don't know. It's not a gentle way to end the album either. No, mm. but you are right, Jason. This is the one time where like, he's kind of using a lot of genre stuff on a lot of these songs, but it's also like, he'll throw in a banjo or just weird mm-hmm. synth sounds or odd guitar parts. And this is like, I mean, just an old school R and B singer could sing over this track. You know, it's not like yeah. really, mm-hmm. he, does, not he doesn't busy. try to make it weird. You know, it's, it's right, just right. like a pretty straight, nice, you know, trad like 70s r&b arrangement was that that organ what is that it's a clavinet maybe oh mm. man yeah it's that like where stevie piano. wonder plays a lot so good he just went to the sex shelf and just pulled everything out <laughs> that might be a fender that might be a fender Rhodes, like the electric piano mm-hmm. uh-huh. but he's, yeah he's digging into all the classic 70s like so good now remind me of the point at which this album came out in his career was this was what his blanked album what number mm. well there's it's, one foot in yeah. the grave was early stuff that came out after he was big there was uh, right. mellow gold there was odalay right. there was mutation so, yeah. so this is like his fourth or fifth depending on how you count it mm-hmm. I guess. yeah mm-hmm. and he had just sort of earned the cachet to do an album like this like Get get away with it, for lack of a better term. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, Odalay was a. I mean, Loser was big and Mellow Gold was big. Yeah. Odalay was like big and like really critically big, big. acclaimed. And yeah, it was just a better. I mean, it was just sort of. I don't know, but took him to a different level, I think, and to being more of sort of respected artist, I guess. And so, mm. but and then Mutations actually the album before. That. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. So yeah, at this point he's pretty right. He's riding pretty high, both being popular and also like really critically acclaimed at the same time mm-hmm. all right I think that well, dust that. brothers did some producing on this there's a whole there's a real team on this wow place, baby yeah. yeah yeah they yeah they did a lot of his old stuff i think on the mm-hmm. early um but yeah the, this was a lot of fun i'm glad i'm glad you picked this because this was a I mean, sometimes you listen to something you liked in the past that you haven't like checked in yeah. with a while and right? it's sort of like eh, you know is it you or me have i changed have you changed you know but uh <laughs> This was yeah. uh, this was a lot of fun. I, I had a good time, you know, engaging with these songs, and also a few of them like a beautiful way that it hadn't really stuck in my head. I was like, those are, mm-hmm. are really nice. Too. So it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And now I don't know if and there's a, like I don't know if there's sad. like a, a, a graceful way to do such a <laughs> <like> weird <laughs> transition between two albums that feel like 
almost diamet- diametrically well, opposed. That's what's, that's what's so fun about this yeah. little diptych is like this, we were moving away from the semi-sincere or the insincere into something else yes. entirely. We are, uh, the next album is Disintegration, the 1989 uh, album by British goth icons, legends, um, The Cure, uh, who, you know, you're probably familiar with. They've sort of, you know, endured over the years. And, you know, I even saw them, I think I saw them for the first time like three three years ago. They mm. came here and they're mm-hmm. still, you know, they sold out a hockey arena. And, wow. Uh, so they're still they're still together. And actually, I was really impressed by how well his voice is held up. I was a little mm. worried about that because sometimes people with sort of a high keening voice, yeah. you know, it, it kind of goes when they get older and he, he really yeah. sounded great. So it was fun. But this... Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, this album is just, you know, it, it's almost... Uh, the. <laughs> I guess to this this album to me, uh, I guess almost just how do I put this? <laughs> it doesn't feel like like kind of emo or or like you know maybe an artist like Jason. We've talked about like Phoebe Bridgers or something who's kind of very right. like depressive. But well, it that feels... cover of 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 is probably been in my brain the most uh, lately. She does a great cover of Friday I'm, Friday I'm in Love. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Oh yeah. Oh mm-hmm. wow. Huh. Well, it's I, real nice. I'll have to listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, with Robert Smith, I don't feel like you ever getting, like, necessarily as personal as that. But, like, to me, this album just has a very heavy, like, it kind of feels mm-hmm. like depression to me. This kind mm-hmm. of, like, thick, like, gray kind of, like, blanket over, mm-hmm. like, everything. And it's almost, I mean, it borders on oppressive at times. I think yeah. especially towards the end. But, um, yeah, this album to me is just, it's so well made. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious for both of you. Jason, you're probably less familiar with The Cure, I would imagine. Um uh, why do you say that? It just doesn't seem like your kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> just based on knowing uh, you. Yeah, no, I, I am. I was completely unfamiliar. I think I mentioned that the only thing I knew about The Cure was that Robert Smith was on a Blink-182 track. Wow. Oh, album. wow. I didn't uh, know oh, boy. Yeah, that's, that's, his, that's basically the highlight of his career. I feel less bad about yeah. my. I feel less bad. Thank you so so much. That's thank you for You're making so the guests welcome. feel more comfortable. That's great. Yeah, that uh, their self titled was the uncensored version, mind you, was the, was my Midnight Vultures. Um, but uh, so yeah, it was really. These songs take so long to vamp and get mm-hmm. like going that it that whenever he starts singing is just payoff. Like yeah. I I feel thankful that something has happened almost, but not in a way that's like oh finally this was shit until he started singing. But yeah. it's like okay, we've we've established a whole vibe, and now here's a character we're going to insert into that sort of like milieu yeah. of sound. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed listening to this. Uh, Sarah, did you have any particular takeaways? Uh, well, do you want do you want my my recreation of my thoughts when we got the when I got the oh yes oh yes sure, yeah. sure. I, please do that? all right this is inside Sarah's brain <clears throat> okay oh fuck I'm definitely supposed to know more about the cure than I do. Uh, I love Friday. I'm in love. Damn, that's the cure. That's the cure, right? Fuck. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, I've been listening to the, the Phoebe Bridges cover a lot lately, or maybe Spotify has just been suggesting it a lot. I do also occasionally mix it up with Dancing on a Friday Night by the Darkness, which makes me dumb or old or both. <laughs> and then there's that song that they play in movies when people are very bad and in a dramatic depression that goes, Bwah! and that's all I got. <laughs> well, you know, it's not, a, it's not a pop quiz. You know what I mean? Like, but, uh... <laughs> Wonderful. There you go. That's that's what happened. <laughs> so that was well, your actual off, no, off the cuff thoughts. <laughs> no reason, you know, no reason to worry. In fact, I, I kind of almost like the fact that I, I like it when people are not really, you know, you just don't have a lot of preconceived notions about the thing. Yeah. So, 
Definitely. Um, well, let's let's play something. Um, I really like the first song, "Plain Song." Yeah, uh, which is obviously the title's a reference to like you know those Latin chants that they do in like, mm. the Catholic or like Russian Orthodox Church. I think it's called "Plain oh. Song." Hmm. Um, so and you know very hmm. pure that makes sense. reference. Uh, but this mm-hmm. one just sets that kind of like widescreen kind of like you know dramatic you know depressed yeah. vibe very well. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Jason, I didn't. It, it, I'm, I'm glad you said that because like my memory of this was different. I, I didn't realize that, um, like you said, how long it takes for vocals to enter mo- a lot of these songs, which is interesting. It's like yeah. I was keeping, I started keeping track. I was like, it's around two minutes in. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's like, yeah. it's like three times the length any other song takes to get vocals. But mm-hmm. um, so Sarah, you left a timestamp of 15 seconds. I'm just going to jump in mm-hmm. from there if that's cool. Sure. Would you like me to recreate what I wrote? Please. All right, when it hits. Holy shit! Ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is so. <laughs> the only the only reason I feel bad for you guys is that you didn't like have this when you needed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you yeah. were like, sixteen and like you know what I mean, like really depressed because you can't ever totally recreate that feeling. You know. It's, I, I was like, this. it scared me, and it was very epic and beautiful. And I wrote down, I was like, it feels like a goddamn overture. Like, it feels like very cosmic feeling introduction to something. Yeah. Like. I will say I was slightly ruined when I realized that the melody there is just that train song. Uh, she feels better than ever. Where? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, I don't know that, huh? I wonder well, if train, I'm sorry, I wonder but train, you won't be able to train took that on purpose. That's interesting. Uh, was that, that is train? interesting. I'm forgetting no if that was in no train. Idea. I know the melody you're talking about, though. I'm 23. <laughs> oh, fuck. I hate that fucking song. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jason, I wish you wouldn't have said that. Damn it. Oh, no. No, it's okay. So it's okay. No, 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 no. It's fine. Hopefully, your love for this album is pure and strong. Tra- okay. Whatever tra- train. Right. I'm still not sure if that's the right uh, I don't know. We got to take a quick break. We got to let the cure cleanse the timeline here. Yeah, here we all go. Right, all right. All right. <sighs> Are we close to 121? I'm sorry, we passed 121, we but passed I can go back. I, no, that's fine. Where we are is good. I just, I just wrote down how. I sorry, mean, the I'm whole. Ac- the I'm actually going to do that. Are you going to do it? Okay. So sorry, I already clicked the button. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I was just, I, I, I was like, I love this watery guitar. However, like, there's a yeah. lot of um, mm-hmm. water is a big theme on the album, and so just like water and you know and dryness or whatever. But um, I was really here for that effect. A lot of the whole thing. I mean, every there's. This thing is so uh, aggressively cool. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing is extremely timelessly cool. But and also, you're right. It's like there's nothing is dry on this record. This is just like reverb, mm. like yeah. insane reverb on everything. Yeah. And it does feel kind of like underwater, cavernous kind of. And they have they, the other thing I really appreciate about them is like they have a really like they're not complicated guitar parts, mm-hmm. but they have a really great sense of melody and just how the, mm-hmm. these like simple little guitar like two and three and four note lines kind of go over the general like kind of swelling chord changes well when yeah. they layer them it really works like it feels like all there's when there's several guitar parts that are kind of noodling in their way and they kind of slip and slide over each other especially if you have headphones on it it's just so much more than if you followed any one of them where out like i tried to follow and i was like this is some sort of jerry garcia meandering but like if you just mm-hmm. actually layer them like on a proscenium stage it's it's really effective.
I had this sort of perception of the cure as like a very, and they are a little bit dark, but very dark and brooding and like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not revealing myself to the world type of emo, but it's very much the opposite. And sort of the this guitar is, yeah. is where I realized that, like that really clicked for me was it's very simple, but very expressive, very like tinged with emotion playing, even though it's not, mm-hmm. you know, award-winning solos or anything. That was like that was the key for me to listening to this was like it's not about obscuring the emotion of the moment or anything. It's like no. just using the simple tools you have to express those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wrote down sparkle pop, sparkle apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> to me, the, <laughs> yeah, like to me, like you know, people sometimes kind of bust on stuff that sounds '80s, but to me, this is like '80s at its best. Like it sounds yeah, extremely agreed. '80s. It's it is very, very of its time, but like just their synths, those kind of classic mm-hmm. '80s like fake strings and like it's yeah. just it's never chintzy. Like it's doing all that it's using those colors and whatever, but it's never like sort of thin chintz. It just it hang, whatever the magic of it hanging together is so impactful. I also wrote down this is some Ghost of Christmas Past shit. Let me take in the measure <laughs> of my life and find it beautifully wanting. Is that it? Yeah, I can kind of see that. <laughs> This does feel vaguely holiday-ish. Like, I think at the beginning when those kind of chimey <laughs> things come in. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to, like, I had, a, I had a, a theoretical revelation that sent me down a, like, full conspiracy theory rabbit hole later on the album. And so it's interesting listing, starting back from the top and trying to force that theory into all of the songs. We'll get Do you there. want to reveal that later on? I will reveal it. Should I reveal it later on? What's better? What's more oh. dramatic? That's a good question. I'll tell you in what song. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, my suspicion was triggered on in Lullaby. My the, it first occurred to me in Lullaby, and then somewhere around disintegration, I did a Google search, and I was like, "Ha ha, gotcha!" Okay, <laughs> interesting. Wow. All right. Um, Indication. Um, where, where do we go from here then? I mean. The ne- I mean, this, so- this album starts super strong. Pictures of mm-hmm. You is kind of a, yeah. a, a cure, like, classic, yeah. um, I think, among the fans. I could not believe this was seven minutes. It felt, it, yeah. yeah, it did not drag. I was just, like, there the whole time. Yeah, I was really overall shocked because, again, when I was probably listening to this, it wasn't on, you know, Spotify where you're so conscious of, like, having the, the track length just displayed mm. right in front of you and, like, I was really mm. surprised when I saw all these track links because it was never something yeah. that uh, felt to me like extraordinarily long, but they are mm-hmm. in general. I mean, yeah. a five-minute yeah, song is like a short one on this album. Yeah. yeah. None of them are shorter than four minutes, which is wild for, you know, pop music. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll jump into pictures of you, and we've got some timestamps. I'll jump uh, around and let you know before I do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's That's a, great. those guitars. So, yeah, love them. If this were like thirty percent faster BPM, I would have thought that you, that I was listening to Talking Heads right now. Mm. Oh, hmm. Hmm. Actually, the some of the rhythm guitar that we just heard on Midnight Vultures reminds me of David Byrne's rhythm. Yeah, guitar. I could see that totally for sure. 
behind a story. I think, yeah, I can kind of see what you're saying. I, those bands it's just have part- such a different aesthetic. Like, yeah, their, yeah. Whole, their whole deal is so like different that I never associate them together. You know, Matt, yeah. it's almost, and bear with me, it's almost like we're broadening your musical horizons a little you bit. You are, you are, yeah. yeah just a little bit. <laughs> you right. don't have to sell me and a talking And I helped. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it was along for the ride. And I was here. <laughs> the, the plucky, I don't know, plucky adventurer. Um, <laughs> we are flying around to 152 later in Pictures of You. Yeah, 152. Here we are. I'm starting to keep track already of when the vocals hit. Cool, cool. And I just wrote, all caps, the sheer swag. <laughs> I also wrote down, ooh, yeah, baby, parasocial problems, a Bruin. (laughs) (laughs) A Bruin. (laughs) He's got a lot of problems. He does have a lot of problems. I had no idea how many. But, you know, I kind of touched on this earlier, but one thing I like about Smith is that, you know, it's very sad and melancholy, but it doesn't necessarily feel like autobiographical. So I think that, you know, mm. for like, you know, I think people, you can kind of project yourself into the song easier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't feel like, oh, this is like Phoebe Bridgers singing about Phoebe Bridgers life. You know what I mean? This is sort of, <laughs> like his lyrics are kind of vague, you know, and, and sort of. Yeah. Uh, Real image collages. Yeah, exactly. I also wrote down, lol, what a manic-ass pixie. Yeah, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, obviously, he had the hair. Mm-hmm. He had it all going yeah. on, the pancake makeup. I think I was talking about whoever he's talking about, but yeah, sure. Also, Robert Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about that. These lyrics are, like, deeply emotional, but not very specific. He's not, like dropping a whole lot of names or referencing a whole lot of events. He's more broadly describing a sad thing, you know, that happens or that happened. You know, what's really interesting about that. I actually feel like um, maybe later in the album, I felt like it was, or there's certainly there's, um, which one is it? Love song is one of this really occurred to me. Is that like, it is very oppressively from his own perspective. So it's Mm. not like autobiographical, but it is certainly Mm -hmm. very self- I mean, there's no way out from his brain. On sure, this no. The next timestamp you've got on pictures of you, Sarah, is 7:24, and the track that's looks like how, it's 7:28. That's what it ends. I think oh. I was just like, "Oh, was that seven minutes? Holy snack!" I, Jason, I did love the the note it trails off on, but yeah. I, I wanted to go to 5:50. 5:50 because mm. it's Can kind be. of like I, I like this album. They definitely really like. You could tell they all had sort of decided to simplify how they were playing and, and how mm. they were writing to kind of, I think, create this kind of bigger like experience. Mm. But at 550, mm. they do some like clever things like that are sort of this rising chord sequence mm. that goes on underneath the, basically the same thing that was going on before. Okay. Well, here we're at 550. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, they love that like electronic wind chime thing. Why did I think of Donnie Darko? Like, what is the what's the dance oh, team? Oh uh, man, 
Sparkle motion. Sparkle motion. Sparkle motion. That was, yeah. that was like it came. It was like a banner in in my head when that went. <laughs> wow, it's been a long time. <laughs> I also wrote down, this is where I'm here. Oh, go ahead. You first. This is like keeps rising underneath like the, the root notes. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Which, yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting because it's the same part, basically, but they just keep changing the chord underneath. Right. That's all. Ooh. It's lovely. Yeah, I do hear that. I wrote down that the... Um, that the sort of layers sliding over each other. This is where I had that thought, where I was like, "These are simple. These are or like I'm not necessarily intrigued by in the, by them individually, but mm-hmm. then they layer in this incredible kaleidoscopic way." And I was like, "Is it a metaphor for the memories? <laughs> like, <laughs> are they Whoa. also if you like drill down on them, are they boring? But when you assemble them into a collage of regret, is it? Mm. Whoa. I was like, Wait, Whoa. Sit down, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we go to love song? I think we, that was. We up. can. Is yeah. this this was the key to your? This was whole the key. Thing, right? This was well. No, this is where I was like, oh my god, dude! Like, it's all about you. But um, I'm trying to think. Was there anything else? And close down. I mean, I don't well, know. Close down I, is I, good too. Close down is really good. It is very good. Let's play. I, let's play I, close I down. Like, yeah. Good. All right. I got two forty-five. I'll jump straight there. <laughs> Oh, I just wrote like, oh, you and me both, man. (laughs) (laughs) Right there with you, Robbie. Right there with you, Robert. (laughs) And I love, this is not, it made me think of a Bauron, but it's not like the Irish hand drum, but whatever that rhythm is, is really. Yeah. I I like the drumming on this a lot. It's it's way more active drumming than it is on most of the album. Yeah. It was really anchoring me after. Yeah, I found it really rooting. It was nice. I also asked what drugs they were on. What drugs were they on? I don't know. Yeah, Matt, what drugs were they on? (laughs) I don't know. You know, I'm not sure Smith was that into drugs. I mean, I feel like everyone in the... Well, here's... I mean, I feel like if if somebody was famous in the 80s, they probably just did cocaine a certain amount. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it was kind of just like drinking beer and stuff. But um, I'm not sure if they were a huge drug band. I think I wrote down because I was like, ooh, this is also trancy. But, yeah. um, but well, and, as, as someone who went to many jam band concerts without getting high, maybe I'm not the person to wonder at such a thing. <laughs> well, you know, now that you mention it, though, it, this is 89. So, you know, I think in England, some of that rave culture and like acid house stuff was starting to happen. Mm. So I don't know if he was going to like the beginnings of what would become like, mm. you know, because over there they were into it so much earlier than we were. So I don't know if he was taking like mm. psychedelics or. Mm-hmm. I always figure pot too, like they just smoke pot. You know, I don't really can, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, close down. That's a that's a really nice one. That drumming drumming yeah. is great. I liked the the button, the dissonant button on that song for him. Yeah. Anyhow, the dissonant button. Uh, uh, for it says four oh nine. Whatever, like whatever that trailing note was, struck me as dissonant and cool. What's that guy? Let me Zero. fly to that just because I want to hear what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, what am I ever talking about? <laughs> That guy. Oh, that is cool. It had been such a pleasant little trance, yeah. and then we're like, mm. yeah, yeah. I'd love to map out that triad. Right? Yeah. What is that? All right. Uh, we got love song up next. Should we just yeah. head straight into her? Yeah. 
And um, mm-hmm. I, I want to uh, go ahead and play it, but I wanted to sing the praises of, uh, I think, a really super underrated musician that doesn't probably come up in mm. any discussions about bass players, but Simon Gallup from The Cure, mm. I think is so melodic. And yes, like this is this in particular, this bass part is like just it's tasteful, it's simple, it's melodic, but it's like so key to how the song is that I, I just I really mm-hmm. admire I've always sort of admired his bass playing I, I, uh, I, I wrote down most email ever to email an email and I think it's the bass line I like my bangs are growing into my eyelids by listening to this but I love it <laughs> it is a on some key tracks it's like a surprisingly bass forward album yeah um, you know I, I assumed it have that. low end you know as part of the you know late 80s emo trend and you know specifically like the british vibes but it is like more than just anchoring the song like you said it's melodic and and Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite tracks was fascination street for the street for the same reason Mm because it's like Mm. crunchy all of a sudden yeah Mm. and they don't i wrote in fascination street i was like angry bass is hot as fuck (laughs) (laughs) right yes (laughs) but i mean you are right that it is kind of interesting is that i mean they have two guitar players but the guitars don't really drive the songs in the same way that you can you know you consider sort of like chord changes and people like strumming you know mm-hmm. like the guitars are more sort of little spindly kind of decorative like yeah. parts and and really like the bass and the synth probably carry like the chord changes more than the guitars yeah right dig that yeah like if you're gonna hum this song that's where you're that's where you're gonna go mm-hmm And I think this is definitely one of the songs that put him on a bigger scale in America. Mm. I think there was a video for this song. Mm. I love that. I love that synth. That synth string. They did make me chuckle. I love it so much. down it's always an easy good rule to write sad lyrics with happy tunes and bright lyrics with sad ass vibes yep you find the midway point yeah the centering on the i i i i i i in this song was i was just like all right are we being a creep is this one unrequited have you even told this person how you feel what's happening (laughs) yeah there's definitely always sort of a unsettling edge to it. Yeah. Hello, dude. We got to get some we in here, stat. That's what I wrote. <laughs> but it's also beautiful. I mean, in the way that like a love, I couldn't tell. Like sometimes a love is animating and, 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 and independent of whether the person gives anything back to you. Like there's two sides to that coin. One is just like, I am enriched and expanded by my feeling for you. And that's a lovely thing. And then the other one is like, Oh my God, <laughs> what are you, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to tell. It could go either way. He's, he's yeah. not easy. He's not easy, uh, easy songwriter to like read, yeah. in, read intent into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would like to do lullaby because I think it's, it's kind of a more fun song and, you know, it's about being eaten by a giant spider. 
It is. is. Which is cool. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You don't say. <laughs> okay. Lullaby is a funny word for this. Um, <laughs> I'll just get started. We can keep sure. the convo going. I'm just, I also wrote down on Last Dance, I was like, is this Annie Hall Woody or straight up actual Woody? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh. I'm, I'm almost yeah. I'm scared to watch that new four-part thing. Yeah, it's not going to be good. No, it's not. But, that, but Last Dance also played heavily into the theory I developed, so. But you don't have to listen to it to do that. Here we are. <laughs> what is this? What is this drawing from? What is this like to this heavy two beat? What is that? What is what's a music, music I lineage know. here? I don't know. I mean, one thing that I, I love about this bass part again, back to Simon. Yeah, Gap, is like it's like boom, boom, boom. It's going with the kick drum, but then he he takes a yeah. rest and like lets the snare hit, so he's not like messing mm-hmm. up the snare, just to make it like really clean. Um. Like this just to me feels like a band that's like recorded a lot of albums and like really now like knows how to make mm. records in the studio and mm. is kind of trimming all the fat out of their music and just trying to make it like you know no one's really I don't think anyone's trying to like call attention like oh wow I'm a kick-ass bass player I'm a great drummer it's sort of just like let's yeah serve this overall like mood we've got going it's super holistic this stuff yeah I actually, of course, I didn't even write down when the lyric hits. That's funny. I don't have a timestamp for that. I'll just have to hear it when I hear it. I love that. I know he's probably not talking about Peter Parker, Spider-Man, but... Yeah. I mean, that's what I hear. <laughs> well, see, that Spider-Man can have me for... Di- no, I'm not going <laughs> to. I think about the creepy spider in... Uh, God, is that the Two Towers? Yeah. Oh. What's her name where, again? I oh, God, that's remember. embarrassing. Like, Frodo gets is like kind of zombified yeah. and all like sewn up. She has a name and I can't remember. I don't remember either. Anyway, yeah. That's what this always like makes... Even though this is way she- before Shelob. That. I'm sorry. Shelob. Shelob, Shelob thank yes, you. thank you. Oh, God. Uh, there well, it is. The f- when, as when when we start licking eyeballs, my Lolita radar goes off. <laughs> Maybe I'm, well, I'm a spider has a lot of eyes to lick, so. It's, but they're in his eyes. Oh, you know, you okay. can't you can't lick five feet without landing on a spider's eye. Are you listening <laughs> to this um, Lolita podcast from Jamie Loftus? Sarah? Ooh, no. no, but I should. Uh, she sort of goes back into the lineage <gasps> of the thing and back to the source material and sort of how yeah. it's been interpreted, sort of its myriad right. of its whole thing. It's, it's really good. I would love that. It's, I have like I am not a well-read person at all, but I do Oh, I've never love, read it either. N- I, no, I love Nabokov. That's the, the oh. one thing that I do love um, very much is Nabokov. And so, and Lolita was one of my, fav- my favorites for a very long time. I actually have the annotated one that I have to dig back into um, now that I'm older, but... Um, but I started seeing Lolita everywhere in this album hmm. after uh, hmm. drilling down on that. I think it was late. It was, I think it was in Disintegration that I Googled it. And there's like, I was like, Robert Smith, Lolita. And there's like a picture of him like reading it. Like, and, and someone else is like, oh, I, re- I started reading Lolita because he said it's one of his favorites. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> hmm intensifies. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's not. 
that's very possible. I mean, he's done that before. Like one of their first uh, kind of early songs was a little controversial. It was a, uh, it was called "Killing an Arab," and it was about mm-hmm. it was based right. on the it's stranger a reference. The, yeah. yeah, the stranger by Camus. So um, it's it's very possible. I think he's very kind of you know well versed in those type of classics. It it, it struck me that the the album has a maybe a similar shape. Um. And I mean, I, I'm going to have to like scroll through my notes to see where specifically. But I mean, just opening with, I mean, that thing about, you know, a woman who was once a girl, which is what was where I was like, mm, how literal hmm. are we being? Um, <laughs> and uh, and prayers for rain reminded me a lot of, of sort of the Charlotte Hayes relationship, which is really, you know, mm-hmm. um, and et cetera. Um, and just the idea of like presenting this very charming sort of sad persuasive person who i mean the the album goes quite dark and then what he seems to feel conflicted about doing to other people comes into play and so hiding kind of a a, you know a really monstrous exploitative behavior behind a really charming seductive Mm. you're going to be on my side intro is the whole Hmm. shtick so wow anyhow well let's (laughs) let's uh what do do you want to hear sarah all righty. Well, where are we? We just did Lullaby, right? Yeah, so mm-hmm. I guess we, we can do. We, we should go to Fascination Street. Or if I have Fascination we, we, Street to hit. Yeah. yeah that's Hell yeah. That is. All right. Nine seconds in, as per your timestamp. This space part is great, Jason. Mm. Sick. Mm-hmm. Oomph. A solid oomph out of oomph. Indeed. I don't know if you do this very much, Matt, but sometimes I'll just plug my bass in to GarageBand and just sort of like noodle. And whenever I hit a, a, a filter that sounds like this, a plug-in that makes my bass sound like this, I, I just sit for like 45 minutes doing shit like this. Yeah, it's just, fun. It's just a very orally satisfying, and that's A-U-R-ally satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew what you were saying. Is this, a ref- is this an explanation that happens in every podcast? no. no. Every time you're like, hey, 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 you. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's, no, but yeah, that uh, overdriven only... kind of sound is yeah. just a good, it's a good sound. Always. I shouldn't mm. have said anything. It's, it, it sound good. It sound good. It sound good. Yeah. I wrote Spark Apocalypse is over. We are in Nightmareville full time. <laughs> and this is long after we've had the spider. Yeah. Talk. This, right. this now is we're definitely in Nightmareville. Like, I feel like in a lot of 90s thrillers, you always had to end up in sort of like this weird like goth nightclub for some reason mm-hmm. and i feel like this would be a song that would be playing yeah. while you're you're looking for somebody and like all these like people in like leather mm-hmm. clothes are like like what's this square guy doing i think here? i think you're just describing the opening scene of blade exact yeah you know yeah Actually, it's funny that you say that because I looked it up for the. I was like, "Where is it was fashion? Am I missing this reference to like Fascination Street?" And apparently, it was inspired by a night in New Orleans. And I have definitely ended Ooh. up in a dungeon in New Orleans after a day of crawling. <laughs> so that was. So I relate, I guess. Yeah. Wow, I can't imagine him being in New Orleans for some reason, but mm-hmm. I guess he was. I love the guitar there. Mm-hmm. What's in the What's in the upper end? What is that like? It sounds now like a whistle through Zencaster, but a siren or something. What is that? Can't make it out. Mm. Oh yeah, here it's like whistle. Yeah. Hey, baby, I'm 
There's some great verbs here. They're just... Yeah, the lyrics in this are pretty good. Yeah, this is a good one. There, I remember, I feel like there's there's a line about, like, I can't be responsible for what goes in your mouth or what comes out. <laughs> right? Wow. And you're like, hello. Yeah, but it made me think, of, I was like, oh, you know, that Pretenders, um, that Pretenders song feels like such a pot, like an upbeat, self-empowered female inverse. Which one is it? Oh, my God. It's the one that um, that was on, that I learned about from Rock Band, or no, no Guitar Hero 2, I think. Ah! Uh, Brass in Pocket? No, not Brass in Pocket. Better than Brass in Pocket. My, my city was gone. Middle of the road. Mm. Back on the chain gang. No, I'm just naming like more, every Pretender song I know. It's, it's way I more. Uh, it's way more up tempo. Um, but it says you showed me what that hole was for. <laughs> <laughs> Tattooed Love Boys. Goddamn. Oh, okay. It's so good. We've made it almost all the way through Fascination Street, (laughs) which I am so proud of. Too nice. I know you mentioned uh, uh, Prayers for Rain, Last Dance. Sure. I don't know. Prayers for Rain is kind of a great epic. Um, It's pretty rough. It's a rough go. It's sad. All right. Here we go. <laughs> These are great guitar parts. Mm-hmm. I, I stupidly forgot to write down uh, the timestamp for a touch so plain so stale, or your touch so plain so stale, which is what made, definitely made me think of Charlotte Hayes, who he finds to be a disgusting full-grown woman. <laughs> <laughs> So much space. I love that. Yeah, the guitar line is kind of like floating up in the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that make me think of? What is that? What is... Mm. The stringos. Kind of sounds like a. it's supposed to be a Mellotron, maybe, which was like mm. like what the Beatles played on, like, Strawberry Fields Forever. Mm. Hmm. I just get, like, Nintendo 64 vibes from that synth <laughs> patch. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down dry song and a wet album, but that's not actually, I don't know that the, 
aural qualities of the song are particularly dry. It just talks a lot about dryness. It's dry like like wine is dry, you know? Mmm, tannins. There you go. I also wrote down as my mind was spinning out on this theory, I was like, it's so funny that my mind insists on organizing this as a story, listening this way. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is just a, col- maybe it's a, just a collection of songs, Sarah. People probably didn't over-determine albums just because. <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> so How dare you try to interpret. But that's, you know, that's good. <laughs> I mean, you know, once you're listening to it, the album belongs to you, not to Cure. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Let's kill that author. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Such <laughs> So um, I did a little looking, and uh, so this is inter- the album has had a couple different track lists. Um, this is the um, the CD track list, um, but hmm. like the vinyl, because number one, if I have a criticism of this album, it's, I think after Prayers for Rain, it. I feel like there's a lot of songs that are very similar in, in feel mm-hmm. that are like super long mm-hmm. in the end of this, you know, um, same deep water as you, it's homesick. nearly lost me, <laughs> you know, maybe. Yeah. It's, it, it's and, telling uh, that your only timestamp from same deep water is eight minutes, is, 13 is seconds. The, in. The, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I do think they, I, th- I think they could have like, I mean, honestly, if they had ended the album, maybe, here or maybe like did last dance after this and then ended the album i don't know Mm. if it would have Mm -hmm. suffered but interestingly homesick and last dance were actually not on the vinyl release of this album they were only on the cassette and uh, cd versions so is that their version of like bonus tracks back in well 1920 or whenever this was released i mean i think basically what it was is that literally like you know this much music can't physically fit on a record Mm-hmm. And so I'm assuming the record company wasn't going to go for a double just album. Like, fuck it. So they were just like, well, and and at this point, this is 89. So, you know, vinyl is kind of huh. probably faded really is like a, a big tapes. format. You know what I mean? So, um, mm. so yeah, this is like the CD version might've been like their definitive one, but, hmm. but I think, you know, it's an hour, it's an hour and 12 minutes, which that's a long ass album. I started listening <laughs> yeah. last night. Oh, way too late. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> Probably burn through half that candle. Oh, it's a good candle record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did it right. Is this uh, is this an old person thing? Candle candles, my guy. <laughs> old person. Well, <laughs> well, you, well, well, you, you called it a candle album. Candles. What does that mean? <laughs> I just made that up. Light Jason. a candle. Light a candle. Listen to the album. It's the vibe. All right. Well, it sounds like you both know, understood. Like. No, I, I. No one's ever. Said, I literally just said candle album. I pulled that yeah. out of my ass. It doesn't mean. All something. right. All right. If we can't speak in poetics, what are we even doing here? <laughs> it's like, you know, you get your Werther's Originals, you know, <laughs> Don't like your electric blanket. Werther's and Reasons and a perfect night of yeah, SVU. Yeah, candle, light a candle. Take the rotary out of the cradle. I got the new fucking Reader's Digest issue in my hand. <laughs> Just a uh, man, nice you, night listening to the cure. Matt, you didn't, you didn't know me when I was a kid, but I literally did all of those things <laughs> all the time. You're, you're an old soul, Jason. I, by the way, I think millennials have done the... Millennials are big on candles and scents, home scents. They're less big on perfumes per se, but they're big yeah. on scented things for the home. You're right. I have one at my desk right now. Gah. I love I love backwards guitar. It's one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. It scares me.
It is a little <laughs> weird. It's always weird. Well, we've also been trained to listen for horrible messages in it. So yeah, it is true. Um, I think my timestamp was just Thunder SFX lol. <laughs> <laughs> in same deep water and uh, price for rain. In uh, same deep water. Okay. Thirteen. Oh. I was like thunder, huh? Didn't okay. Do that. Uh, yeah. Let's listen. I see it's interesting because I, I like when I hear all these songs in isolation I think they're all good songs mm-hmm. but I do just feel like mm. there's too many of these like you know eight minute kind of epics at the end mm-hmm. yeah this one oh sorry I, I realized I just pulled that timestamp and we hadn't moved on I didn't mean to no no no, 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 no. We, I mean, we actually had finished out the last song yeah. so oh, uh, okay. wherever you want to go next from here is, is cool by me sure yeah, this one was tricky. I was like, I think without those layers and this sort of interplay on those different, like, I was starting to feel a little bit like there was a, a monster sitting on my chest. But um, should we do? I mean, we could do last dance or oh sure, yeah, that's a good one. Did I have notes about last dance? Where I don't you? have a timestamp from you. Oh, maybe I, if you want right. it, you can maybe just. Maybe I had no thought. All right, go all ahead. Right, let's pop right in. Last dance. Arena drums. Yeah, very much like those big <laughs> eight, like Phil Collins drums. Yeah. Yes, I think. I, did I not save that note? I wrote Phil Collins somewhere. Yeah. It must have been on this. I was he like, can, he yeah, kind Phil of Collins, invented that nuts. big, that big like gated snare and like booming. Mm-hmm. Like Tom I think I thing. lost a note, and I'm sad about it because I definitely wrote Phil Collins. <laughs> but I'm continually blown away by like almost every song like either Smith or the other guitar player, they pull out like just this like simple like little four or five note thing that is so like gets in your head so well. Real earworm, yeah. It's all you, dude. What else should I be hearing in this? I don't know. I just, I mean, like I said, you know, I think it's, it's in the, you know, general mood, but I just, I just like these particular guitar melodies and like the, the rhythm mm. section on this is cool, you know, but it, it's, again, at this point, I think we've kind of, you know, we've heard a lot of similar stuff to this. Mm-hmm. Let me see. You had a couple of disintegration. Do you mind if we jump there, Sarah? Yeah, sure. Sure. I was like, drums got me up. Thank you. I also liked another, there's something at 342 that's a really nice little key. Well, I can pull this right something. there. 342? Yeah. Yeah, I was very grateful for the, some driving. Yeah, the drums are a little drums. more active on this. I love yeah, that digital piano is. line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
also wrote down, I like this song, but I do not pity this dude. <laughs> <laughs> I probably, I could. I'm sure I could. <laughs> Apparently insomnia is also another motif that I would be curious to drill down on in, in Lolita. When can we expect your thesis? <laughs> oh boy, I have so much. I have so much primary research to read first. Let me tell you. <laughs> the Nabokov is it, it, like you can't. It's there's so much to enjoy on the surface. Um, like his his language is exquisite and very funny. It's very readable, um, and it's like. But there's just so much. There's only rereading when it comes to Nabokov. Like you hmm. have to go through and kind of like. I, I actually find it quite video gamey, and I often talk about you know in publicly and on Twitter about like oh one day I'll make a Nabokov game or whatever just because like you should be collecting all of these motifs like inventory and then like co- you know tra- tracing the patterns of where they appear and there's wow. there's ways of unlocking what's actually happening in the in the plot and in the story that you won't get if you don't do that work so and it's really rewarding it's like it's one of those people who really really rewards and expects your close attention yeah what a unique but like super sensible idea yeah <laughs> it's yeah. a really beautiful relationship that's like where that you put in so much and he's like i have so many things to show you it's you just you know pay attention or translate of the three languages that i'm probably using in this book you know <laughs> okay anywhere else Ooh. let's see um i had i digged the convo between guitar and piano in homesick I was like, yeah, I'm here for the piano. Thank you, Mr. Oh, piano. yeah, the intro. Mm-hmm. I had that down in my notes, too. That is cool. The intro to the song? Homesick. Okay. I didn't have a timestamp, so I think that means right out of the gate. I feel like this is like a lot of like film and TV score music now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like a kind of moody thriller yeah. type. Sure. Some detective about yeah. to give up on the case, staring yeah, at yeah, yeah. Charles and exactly, Winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything's dark now, so you know. Mm. Do you think you're going to hear this in the Snyder cut of Justice League? Matt? <laughs> yes, you are. I'll, well, yeah, I'll, I'll you never definitely know, are. Because I'll, we live I'll, in a society. I'll never see that shit. Isn't that man? That is. I don't know. Chats and discords just explode when that shit drops. People just cannot get enough of it. He's probably like literally one of the worst American filmmakers of all time. <laughs> like he's absolute fucking horse shit for babies. Doesn't it feel good to just say? Just like, oh my God. He's just fucking complete. I was so happy HBO did that Watchmen show just to salvage. Yeah. Like it wasn't yeah. the actual so Watchmen good. comic book, but it was like, at least it was something that felt in the spirit of it as opposed to that mm-hmm. just fucking garbage. CG horse shit. Oh, oh my god. It was yep. like the most like worst like fucking corny ass music choices and shit. It's just like yep. oh my god. Isn't there hallelujah in there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, Don't do that. Sex scene. Yeah. Don't, Don't do that. Anyway, he's horrible. Oh. He's horrible. It's you know, I would not want to be the poster child for for systemic, you know, uh sexism. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like insofar <laughs> as Zack Snyder keeps getting movies, that that yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but he's to me, he's I, not even I like just, like Michael Bay is really shitty. But at least I sort of like he has cert- a certain like kind of trash mentality that's at least like <laughs> admirable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I feel like he kind of knows it's like high level trash, mm-hmm. but. Snyder, I think, actually thinks he's like a good filmmaker, which drives me even more nuts. <sighs> yeah, that's the difference. He doesn't even seem like he's having fun with it. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, I mean, I think like Bay's is like, yeah, we're just gonna get fucking two hundred million dollars and blow shit up, and it's gonna be yeah, fun. Yeah, we blow you know shit I mean? up. Like, we're gonna we're gonna get in a helicopter and sh- shoot in a circle until you want to vomit, and it's gonna be yeah. fun. <laughs> Snyder thinks he's like saying something about like yeah. the world or Jared Leto or something. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, sorry, Kira. I didn't mean to go off. I'm glad that you said that. I feel like if I had come out with that, I would be I would put a page of the real target on my back. No, but I'm no, here no, to no. cheerlead. Yeah, no, I don't care. <laughs> All right. Uh, I would feel really weird if we didn't get to the final uh, timestamp that you sent me, Sarah, which is in Untitled, the yeah. final track mm. on the actual album, at 35 yeah. seconds. So yeah. pop us into that. Sweet. Um, Boy, it's a long speaking, song. Speaking of movie soundtracks, that is what this vibe was being serving to me. Um, oh, man, my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Which, did I mention I listened to this really late at night? Yeah, that guitar sounds really awesome. Yeah. I wrote down a question for you, sir. What's that? Um, what do you make of this? So, like, he says, oh, you know, I won't dream of you again. So, like, what in this tortured cycle of destructive behavior, what did the, the trick? What was it that, ex, you know, ex- exercised all of this? I don't know. I, you know, I think that I don't, I've never really tried to process the album in that way. You know what I mean? To me, it's always more of this kind of like sustained mood. You know what I mean? And so I, I don't know. Sure. I, I don't. I guess I've never really read into it uh, or thought about it in a narrative sense. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, you'll go mad. No, you no, will no, go no, mad. No, <laughs> no, yeah. But I mean, I'm glad you did because it, it's definitely. I mean, it's it's a different way of looking at it that I'd never occurred to me. But you know, obviously there. He he definitely does literary references and stuff, and I think he's a he's a reader. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's it's very possible it's there. You're right. It is. It's a fun pairing to think about the like how the album starts more or less with pictures of you. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like looking so long at these pictures of you, believe that they're real, living so long, and then he's like sort of letting go of something in this track, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Lolita also opens pretty early on with memories of his um, if folks. If folks who don't know, he had he had sort of an aborted, like a, a, a lovely, innocent childhood love affair, or like what would have been a love affair with a, a gal he met like on the seaside or something, and that that was never able to kind of like express itself or or so mm-hmm. he throws that up top, being like, "Well, you should feel bad for me because I mean, <laughs> you know," and just sort of <laughs> starts with those memories of the seaside and this lovely chick, tiny Wonder- tiny girl. I wonder if it's significant too that just I, I found it odd that this is titled Untitled mm-hmm. because you know it's not like he he doesn't put an extraordinary amount of work into his song titles you know what I mean like but he does have them love song lullaby mm-hmm. prayer you know what I mean yeah. they're not like they're not bad song titles but they're also with the exception of like plain song is kind of an interesting reference but mm. I, it's almost like it, I don't know if it's purposely supposed to be untitled I mean obviously it is purposely that way but 
I wonder why. Well, I, but I mean, you know, I noticed this too. Like, and I, I wrote down on Midnight Vultures, I was like, children, this is not an untitled track. This is a secret track. <laughs> I, By the way, so, that was new to me know? because I had it on CD and I probably just never like... Got that far. Got that far. <laughs> Whatever, I just took it out. So I was like, wow. I, it's not that great. It's kind of just like a bunch of... No. Like, it's terrible. Studio you get to it stuff. And you're like, oh, oh no. It's like very... It's like someone... It's very, very abrasive. And then actually a, a few seconds after that, um, it does something else that's nice in a way that I probably had never heard in my entire life because I always shut off the album at that point. But is it possible that this is also a secret track? I Ooh. don't think so. At least oh. based mm. on what I read. But I think, was this one of the ones that was not on all the pressings? Oh, no, this was, this is on all of them. Uh, it's Homesick and uh, Last Dance were not on this short version. Mm. Hmm. Untitled, the, the, the more to use it in whatever film you wish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Untitled Denouement. Well, I think we've 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 definitely gone through the cure here. Uh, any yeah. any final thoughts? I it was kind of fun for me. I I don't know why I thought of this album, and I was like, man, I used to love that record. And um, mm. uh, it's been a lot. It, it's I I was pleasantly surprised at just like how much more I appreciated just like how well made it is and how uh, mm-hmm. deliberately like arranged and and composed everything is, which uh, I probably didn't really appreciate you know a long time ago yeah i i mean i personally feel cooler better informed um more attractive for having listened to it that's good so thank you (laughs) you know fitter happier yeah better harder faster stronger i don't know yeah Yeah. oh i'm glad good time i'll pour one out (laughs) well jason we're gonna do some uh community question yeah i think we are um let me get to them in my documento uh, so if you don't know already, you can uh, leave us questions, leave us songs to listen to if you become a supporter of MinMax at any tier on Patreon. Uh, sorry, Sarah, this is The Cell. This is how we keep the show <laughs> running. Um, and uh, it's a great way to connect with other people who love music, too. We uh, I just checked. I think there are like 20 hours of music now on the communal crossfade, excuse me, crossfade community playlist, which is where we compile all the songs that people share with us week to week. Um, so go ahead and uh, find a find a tier that works for you. At any of them, you'll be able to get in touch with us and ask a qu- us questions like the beautiful ones that our listeners have actually sent to us now. Um, we'll start with one from Simon, Simon Mikkel. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but it is one word. Uh, do you think Robert Smith... This is a part two-parter. Uh, do you think that Robert Smith dresses like that casually to go get bread and milk and shit from the store? <laughs> uh, and... What do you think of bands that generally dress, excuse me, bands and artists that dress the same as they did in their younger years, in like later years of their performance? Do you think that that uh, holds up? I, I think I have seen like candid pictures of Robert Smith, and mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily like wear like the super like mime, you know, pancake white <laughs> makeup, right? But he right. Does, the hair is always like that, and he generally wears like you know some sort of blouse, I think. Um, mm-hmm. you know, flowing kind of blouse. So, I mean, I think he kind of, you know, I mean, put it this way. If you saw him at the gas station, you'd be like, hey, that's Robert Smith from The Cure in a gas station. <laughs> that, that there. I'm really freaked out. Robert what am Smith. I going to do? <laughs> am I going to say something to him, you know? It's like, it's like, a, think it's like a flex? Yeah. yeah. By, <laughs> by the way, um, one time at uh, Game Informer's uh, offices, uh, Brian Setzer of the Brian Setzer Orchestra mm-hmm. used to live in a, a 
penthouse in one of the condo buildings. And I used to see him like when we go to lunch and get sandwiches at this corner store and he would be in there buying smokes and like he dresses like that all the time. He has a boy <laughs> whole Elvis hair. He has like a Oh my god. A, like a jean, you know, a leather jacket with like fringes and like designs and everything. Was, <laughs> you I, gotta was like, I'm just, I was happy yeah. he was like really like that in real life, you know. But Yeah. Um what was the other question? Mm, yeah, just what comes to mind? Uh maybe Sarah's got one of bands and artists mm. that, you know, dress mm. you know, they develop the style and they can still kind of stick to it even if it might not be quote unquote age appropriate. I I wrote down eyebrow raise. Um I think I'm but it's also like I don't know, it's a persona. So mm-hmm. if it's if you're I guess I because it is so tied to the work you're putting out, if you really think that your vibe has depths to pursue and like you're sort of planting your flag and this is just my thing and and you're I'm going to continue to it's really going to be relevant because I find there's plenty of stuff interesting going on in here mm-hmm. and you can sell that to me in your work that I'm like, "Where? Sure." I mean, first of all, just wear whatever you want. Sure. Yeah. Like right. start there. Um so yeah and then the other thing that it makes me think is maybe you just don't know any other way like you know the way someone finds a hat and they're like well this i'm this is going to be my hat and then i feel a little bit you know of (laughs) compassion yeah that's what happened with uh with van morrison he just found the hat one day yeah he's okay it's okay buddy sure Um, (laughs) you can you know (laughs) i have mixed feelings because i think ideally it's awesome if you can kind of be like a uh a david bowie Leonard Cohen mm. kind of, mm. you know, that just you naturally age into this sort of distinguished, mm. like older gentleman that just looks like really good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But lots of times I feel like old rock stars kind of wear this kind of weird, like mature style that's more these kind of like fancy, like button down shirts with like cuffs <laughs> and like jeans with mm-hmm. some decorative stuff on them. And like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but then there's other bands like I was, I think of ACDC, I think of the Ramones, where it's almost like. <laughs> That's the uniform, you know what it's I mean? Uniform. So it's like yeah. I kind of appreciate yeah. those bands just because I feel like, like the Ramones, like you can't separate them from how they look. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the the Ramones, that was the uniform. Um, yeah. So, but then on like the that. other hand, you get you know, then it's like on the other hand, like you know, Keith Richards or like Steven Tyler. It's kind of like you guys are really pushing <laughs> uh, like the age limit of wearing like scarves and shit. Yeah. I was I was about to bring up scarves because I think I don't know much of Bruce Springsteen's music. But I feel like mm. he's handled this okay. Like, oh, really? He well. does the skinny jeans. He does the, you know, yeah, the like bracelets. Jeans and, and a t-shirt. What are you gonna? What, am I missing a piece of his accoutrement? Because like that's a classic. Mm. Are you gonna, how are you gonna yeah. mess that up? I think Springsteen right, right. does it well. I mean, I saw him at the, the inauguration. He did that thing. He was wearing like a a pea coat and like jeans. Yeah, you know, it's like sensible. Like, yeah. it's definitive, <laughs> but it's not. He's done it very well. I don't know. He's not standing out. Yeah, I, I like hope he, never to be sensible. <laughs> you don't have to be especially if i'm a rock star yeah you, you just be you <laughs> the right be the your inner steven tyler from aerosmith oh boy oh yeah <laughs> yeah probably all right uh, our next question is from charles davis this actually comes from a previous episode but i liked it enough and i had hoped um to get mm. new answers enough uh, what's the last song that got stuck in your head sarah i want to say hosier's in a week that's how, that's how you say it right hosier Hosier. Oh, the guy with the Z in his name? Hosier? Yeah, I have no I idea. That I have no idea. Yeah, I know what you, you know, mean. The one, yeah, 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 he's yeah, famous yeah. for other stuff, but In a Week is the one. And actually, it reminded me of um, something in The Cure reminded me of it. it made, something made me want to listen to the song. It's about like two people dead in a field, but they're in love. It's great. <laughs> um, uh, but actually, realistically and probably like truthfully, I, it was probably Day Man from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> <laughs> Fighter of the just, Night Man? Yeah. Like, ha, like, it's multiple times a week. I just go, uh, ah, like, just out of, <laughs> just no, out of nowhere. 
I don't even think that's the interval. I always get the interval wrong, but that it's always not, in my head. That is not what I thought. You like Jesus. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, uh, Matt, what what what's bopping around your head these days? Well, this was something that I, I I'm sometimes conscious of. I don't think I've ever even said this out loud, but when I was still at my hometown, all we really had was a Walmart. So I would just go and I was really big on buying like old, like cut out cassettes from like the dollar bin, just all these like random cassettes. Nobody wanted like truck stop cassettes Mm. and stuff. And I bought this like (laughs) compilation called power rap, mostly because it had the Super Bowl shuffle, which is like the Chicago (laughs) bears, like rap song. And, but it had this song by a guy named just ice called going way back. And I don't really consider it like one of my favorite songs or anything, even my favorite rap songs, but, I kind of realized like when I was thinking about this that I think that song I've probably thought of like every week of my life for like wow. decades and I don't know why. I, it's certainly like if you ask me like what are your favorite songs I would never think of it but I just like right. I, I realize it, it passes through my, my brain yeah. often and it was kind of disconcerting and I have no idea why but <laughs> so Just Ice going way back. Just ice. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to add that. I don't know if I told you, Ed or Matt, but I've started a separate public Spotify playlist of like just music you mention on podcasts. <laughs> you can put it on there, yeah. Because too oh, much I shows up. There's it's, something. It's I need to follow good. that. There's it's something. Can you email it to me? Like a link or something? Yeah, yeah. I will link it. <laughs> it's not Sweet. that big yet because I only started doing it a couple episodes ago. 25 episodes in, I, I started. But um, all right. Uh, I got to say Brandy by... Um, mm. uh, what, what, what the fuck's the name? Brandy. Yes, Looking Ooh, Glass. Uh, oh, that's yeah, a great one. Girl. I love that song. Just, just slightly patronizing, slightly misogynistic, you know, classic <laughs> classic rock, uh, but very good. It's just my go-to, like, I need to test this audio. I need to make sure that I can hear this. <laughs> Boom. This is my Rage Against the Machine self-titled album. This is this is that. Is that, um, is that Looking Glass? That is Looking Glass, yeah. What about, I actually you, picked what up about the, um, do you like Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds? Uh, uh, maybe maybe I would if I knew. Don't out on me, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a bad singer. But anyway, check it out. It's right. the same era. <laughs> That's also going on the playlist. I cannot keep up. Um, uh, I, as a sailor who like went to, there was like karaoke was like a big Friday night thing. Like um, uh, when I was sailing out of Boston, like they're just brandy every week, every week, <laughs> that every like heaven. week. Oh my god! <laughs> my life, my life, and my ladies. I know. Here's I know. The I work with you on the sea. I get it. Wonderful. You got to get a little uh. bit of milky throat to sing it right. Um, <laughs> all right. So Swiggity Swoo says, hello, Crossfade. Love the show. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Well, that's wonderful to hear. That's um, lovely. That's, that's nice of you I am say. taken aback by this question that I copied from the internet into a Google Doc, and I'm reading from the Google Doc now. Uh, have you ever made an impulse musical mm. instrument slash equipment decision that you eventually regretted? The answer for me is yes, but I want to hear from Sarah and Matt. <laughs> we don't get to hear it? Is it embarrassing? Uh, I'll, I'll follow. I'll follow. Jason, who, okay. who, are you, who are you talking to? Like, what do you think? <laughs> I, yeah. I picked this one because I knew hmm. Matt already yeah. had an answer I mean, chambered. Literally every, almost every piece of equipment I ever buy. And then, Aww. I mean, no, I don't regret it. It's just I, I tend to just. What kinds of stuff do you buy? Just like weird guitars off Craigslist and stuff. Or, <laughs> you know, like uh, for a while I was buying like weird keyboards, you know, from like the 80s. And I don't know. I just, I'll just get it in my head that I need something. And then I realize I just go, I, I have like this one keyboard and like one guitar and one bass that I just record pretty well with. And I just don't ever, I buy stuff and I just don't use it. It's not necessarily, I regret it because it's not mm-hmm. that stuff. But, and for a while I think I was up to head, like I might've had like six acoustic guitars at one time. Whoa. And I was kind of like, uh-huh. why 
do I have six acoustic guitars? Do you guitars? play all these <laughs> instruments? Um, I mean, like, well, I didn't. Most can of you play a guitar and can you play a oh, bass? Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's dope. You seem like a collector of little lost things. Like if it's lost tapes and like <laughs> yeah, instruments, it's really yeah. sweet. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of records too. I don't know. But I, I mean, really I, do. I don't necessarily regret it, but it's just like after a while I realized like it becomes like a, a this is almost a procrastination thing hmm. because I'd ra- I'm trying to get down to just one of everything because that way I won't decide, I won't spend time deciding like what to use. Like, mm-hmm. I won't decide, oh, is that guitar, that guitar? I'll just be like, that's my only guitar. So I have to use it. You know what I mean? I'll just hopefully do mm-hmm. more instead of just fussing over equipment. But maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah, you ever bought anything musical that you didn't use? Yeah, I bought a bass and I don't regret. What I regret is not learning it, continuing to learn it. I, it's not the purchase I regret. I regret myself, if that makes sense. Hmm. Could, could go either way on that one. Uh, was it just time or like patience that cut out for you? I think it was, I mean, I bought it. It was interesting. My, my base learning journey was um, like I, I bought it in New Hampshire and I like started just piecing together notes by ear and like figuring stuff out and like never, you know, I was all in first position and I was like, okay, this is fun. And then I started, I did like a semester or two in college of like with theory and like proper shapes and things like that. And then I think I just, it was very jarring kind of difference. It was very, much less sort of like about, let me learn how to play my favorite things. Um, and then I just kind of like it came down to having pri- two different private lessons. I was also doing voice opera voice, which I do not have an operatic voice. It's like, let's not get it twisted. But um, paying for two separate music lessons kind of fell by the wayside. So but I wish I, I genuinely. Also, my bass teacher told me that my pinkies were short. Oh, and that it was going to make life hard. <laughs> I was very yeah, sad. That's mean. I was you, real bummed about if it. You want, but you could look into like a short scale bass. Um, which is like, it, no, they're nice. They're nice. I mean, they, they just don't like some bases have a super long neck, like a fender, but these are just mm. like a shorter neck. I have a short scale right. base. It's, it's really nice. That sounds nice. Yeah. I honestly, like, I love the bass. I love the, I love that it's, um, you know, again, as someone who loves music and, and, and rhythm and dancing like that, that it exists in that interplay and kind of in a support position, but with a lot of flexibility. I mean, I love it. I wish I'd, I wish I'd continue to learn bass. Always time. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know your life. Um, my... <laughs> Okay, so I've I like Matt, I kinda got into the Craigslist run of like, oh that looks mm. good, that looks cool, it's cheap enough, boom. I would buy it just to toy around with it. That helped me learn a little bit of gear and stuff. But the one that I regretted for the longest time but still held on to was um I went to a garage sale and bought it's a combination of a banjo and a ukulele. It's the sh- size and shape of a ukulele. Whoa. Sorry, no, mm. size of a ukulele, shape of a banjo, and it has like a goatskin head called? and uh like metal tuning whatever's and stuff. Like it it, it is the most annoying instrument on planet Earth. Um, <laughs> What's it I, called? It's called a banjo lele. Banjo lele. I never yeah. nice. It's a cute name for a really. I mean, frankly, it, it is annoying. It's so much fun to play. It's the fir- one of the first instruments I learned to play. But uh, I recently awesome. actually got it playable. Like I bought the goatskin head. I soaked it. I did everything. Like only wow. through that like trial by fire learning to do the thing was I able, able to like justify having bought it literally six years ago and moved with it three times, having never done anything with it. I was uh-huh. finally really proud of that, but yeah, to start with, very like regretted heavily even by it was five dollars, and I regretted. Well, it. you can't regret five dollars. Yeah, it sounds like what an incredible journey you went on. Eventually, but yeah. every moment between like yeah. June of last year and <laughs> June of six years before that was just unending uh-huh. shame. Oh, Jason, that's so you, Jason, to like worry about it. it I I will I will talk myself into shame every time I can. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, our next question comes from Joseph Michael, who asks, what are three deep cuts that you think more people should give a listen to? And while the question leaves it open, I'm going to let this mean artists, songs, albums, uh, any, you know, musical piece or collection. Um, Sarah. Oh, okay. Um, all righty. I, maybe a year or two ago, became absolutely transfixed by... Jeremy Dutcher, um, Jeremy Dutcher's album, and I'm going to mess this up. This is a native Canadian name for an album, and I am going to mess it up, but I'm going to try. Um, Wolastikik? Lintuwakan... No. Lintuwakanawa. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Jeremy Dutcher. That's the easy part. Um, <laughs> but has an incredible um, classically trained voice. Just, just really, really beautiful. And then it, the whole album is this work of, like, excavation and, like, from... Um, from their tribes, uh, uh, like oral tradition of storytelling and chanting and oh, things. Wow. And so it's got like samples and yeah, it's really, but it's just full of some really beautiful, it's just gorgeous. Um, so it's very cool. Nice. Um, I'm also going to say, uh, I don't even know, this is a real dick move. Um, I don't know how you would get a hand on it. Um, but I went to, this is just a personal thing. I went to the blue note in Tokyo with my dad when like a million years ago, um, my dad is not, is no longer with us, but, uh, but I dragged him. I was like, we're going to go hear some Japanese jazz. <laughs> um, and we sure did. So, um, Satoru Shionoya's Hands of Guido, I guess, or Guido Note, um, is just, it has a lot of that. You can hear this is like a theme for me, I guess, but it has a lot of that, like throw everything in the kitchen sink kind of vibe. Um, and uh, and has like blues and and like um, zydeco and just and all kinds and lots of jazz really incredibly just jazz chops certainly on the piano and um, it's just sort of frantic and fun and cool and melodic um, so I love it I wish I could say more about where to get it um, hmm. maybe I can host it somewhere um, but yeah and then also I would say uh, I frankly like I'm I, it's been a recent thing me getting into Nina Simone beyond like friggin i put a spell on you like there's Ooh. so much to nina simone yeah. that's amazing um and so uh nina simone and piano um is almost something that i chose for this um from this podcast mm -hmm. but i realized i was just kind of too new to it and i didn't know it inside and out to really speak to it but um but i'm loving it you can really just bask in her you know because she was a, a juilliard trained pianist like she really wanted to be a classical pianist and um it's amazing. So yeah, Black History Month, Nina Simone, yeah. and piano. And also, if people want a good primer on her, there's a, a great Netflix documentary called What Happened, Miss uh, Simone. Great. Um, that it's great. I mean, it, she had a tough life in certain respects and um, was a complicated person, I would say. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's that's. I mean, she's brilliant. I mean, she's she's one of like mm -hmm. a. You know, people throw around the word genius, but you know, I think in the true sense. Um, yeah, she really, and urgent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, what should I? Uh, you got one or two? Yeah, I, I guess know, we don't need the full three. Um, <laughs> it take too long. Like, no, um, <laughs> I always like to. I always like to. Well, I'll preface it. The name of the band might put you off, but I think he's like one of the great lyricists working today. The band Trop Tropical mm -hmm. Fuckstorm. Uh, Gareth Lillard. <laughs> you have dropped them on this podcast yes. before. I got always in their oh their goodness. album, a Laughing Death and Meat Space. Um, I think Gareth Lillard is like a genius, and they had their mm. second album, Brain Drops, is great. Um, very sort of acerbic. Uh, he's Australian, so he's like you know a feral English person. Um, and what else? I oh, on rap, uh, I'd say Rock Marciano. Um, he has a bunch of albums. I'd say maybe like Mark Berg or Rosebud's Revenge. But he's just kind of took rap to this like really kind of almost so minimal. It becomes kind of I don't know, sort of abstract in a weird way. Um, and what else? Um, oh, Madhu Mokhtar. Um, M 
uh, was like M apostrophe D O U Mokhtar. Hmm. Uh, he's an African guitar player. Uh, in the before times, I saw him on, in concert, and it was uh, probably one of the best shows I've ever seen. Uh, he he's a from the sort of desert tradition, so he wears like a headpiece, a headdress, and everything. And he's kind of like Jimi Hendrix meets like African guitar. Absolutely, mm. just it was un- incredible. Like he was down on the floor, like on his knees, like in the middle of the crowd, like doing solos. He's he's you know he was like super big into Prince growing up. And then, you know, fused mm. that with sort of like African desert blues stuff. And I don't know. I just Sounds hadn't great. really seen anybody like that, that that blew me away to that degree. Hopefully he'll be able to tour again, you know, soon. And uh, if he ever comes to your town, you should, you should go. Mm. Uh, the album's called Ileana, the creator. Um, but it's, it's, he's, he really impressed the hell. I'm excited. Yeah. Great. Um, I've just got a couple. Uh, Pearl Charles is an artist that I've only recently started listening to. I believe maybe her first full length was a couple of years ago. But uh, she's sort of a, you know, new country-ish in the vein of uh, Casey Musgraves style. Um, mm. And if, I'm not, you know, traditionally into that style, but recent artists that incorporate like a very poppy tinge have sort of hooked my ear. Uh, so the more and more I listen to those, the, the better I like them. Pearl Charles is that artist. Um, mm. uh, Ichiko Aoba is a singer-songwriter from Japan. Um, her album Windswept Adan is just, like, if you like airy uh like airy sort of jazzy uh uh you know a language you're not going unless you speak japanese a language you're not going to understand and you can just sort of vibe with the music um windswept adan by ichiko ioba and then i got a got a shot one out for my for my boy uh, billy paul a uh a black activist and singer songwriter oh. from the 60s and 70s uh me mm. and mrs jones yeah i was gonna was say yeah yeah uh, not that mm. he's specifically a deep cut, but that his album "Only the Strong Survive" is wonderful, and not only because he covers the Doobie Brothers on it, because it's a really, really funky, good album. Um, mm. So those are my three. I had a lot of time, though. Fair to be fair, to prepare while you two were 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 going. <laughs> yeah, I saw this like fifteen minutes before we started. <laughs> I, um, but I'm excited. I'm so. That's excited. very weird, Jason, because like I literally, my my daughter has become obsessed with a different world. Uh, Lisa Bonet's like Cosby show spinoff oh, where she yeah. goes to college. She goes uh-huh. to like a historic black university. Yeah. And she's watched it now twice all the way through and she's watching it a third time. Oh. But um, <laughs> anyway, Sinbad was fighting with his girlfriend and then like he was singing that Billy Paul song to try to win her back. <laughs> so anyway, nice. there you go. Second time today. Uh, <laughs> so Michael Lynch wants to know what cover art um, from an album represents the start of your love of music. Uh, his example is that he'll always remember listening to U2's Achtung Baby while looking at the strange art on its cover. Hmm. Uh, was there anything that sort of sticks in your mind, Matt? God, it'd probably be like, you know, old records of my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, definitely one that I remember being I, not, there was this, it was called Hot Rocks and it was just a double album like Rolling Stone's Greatest Hits. Um, but on the back, they were like, they were kind of posed on these uh, like ruins of a Roman aqueduct. <laughs> and it was just very odd. Like they just looked very weird. And they were wearing like kind of weird clothes and stuff. And I was just, I remember looking at it as a small child and just not understanding like where these guys are coming from or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, so I, I just it felt very mysterious. And I don't, I don't know why they took a photo on the Roman aqueduct, but um, I just mm-hmm. always, I, I remember mm-hmm. that picture. Hmm. Sarah, what uh, what album covers are in your mind when you think like music you loved and when you started forming your own taste? Uh, 
Okay, well, the the introduction of parental right. I mean, my dad loved music and and had uh, probably like it would probably be some Beatles stuff that you know that was like early. This is your formal like Sarah, you're going to sit down and you're going to know the Beatles kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, which would and they're great. So maybe like Sgt. Pepper or something like that. But I what I wrote down um, was was Dookie because <laughs> um, it was probably the first CD that I bought for myself. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and that yeah. had that like all that kind of like Mad Magazine. Like cover yeah, it's very busy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to say, the Mamas and the Papas was a, an artist that my mom and dad both listened mm. to, to varying degrees. And I, they're still one of my favorite acts. Um, I still listen to their music a lot to this day. And their 20th Century Masters cover, it's not the most original thing, uh, but their 20th Century Masters, the CDs that they used to sell that are like greatest hits, but without the name greatest hits kind of thing. Um mm. It's just the band in a pool, you know, fully clothed in a pool with like a life ring. Uh, and they just look like they're having so much fun. And I don't know mm-hmm. it that whenever I think like music I used to listen to that really was around when I was deciding what I liked rather than just what my parents were listening to. That was a pretty constant one. And I guess it's borne out with time. Plus, kinda ha- I kind of had a crush on uh, Mama Cass. Uh, so mm. it was it really, really panned out in the, in the end. Um <laughs> Um, Ryan wants to know what songs were featured in a movie or TV series that you've found and become obsessed with. Um, I thought of this question, Matt, because you mentioned, uh, or rather there was another question, uh, where Krongbin had shown up at the end of a, an episode of Barry on HBO and, mm. uh, and that you latched onto that. You were like, holy shit. I love that band. Can't yeah. believe it was used there. Yeah. I do like that. Band. I just heard them in Palm Springs too. I think. Nice. Nice. Huh? Yeah. Very appropriate. Yeah. Setting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> off the top of my head, one that I just, I tweeted the other day, but um in bottle rocket which is like basically the first wes anderson movie mm. there's a scene where um he's kind of owen wilson struck up a sort of relationship not really with a a maid at this motel he's staying at and then he kind of like decides to kind of run back to her and they play this song called alone again or by a 60s band called love and hmm. i just remember oh, like yeah. really falling in love with that that song mm. and that and that the album it came from was called forever changes and that really became a big record for me. Love was an interesting group. Arthur Lee was actually an African-American kind of like rock star basically. And just didn't work out for him. He ended up serving some time in prison and there was sort of a free Arthur Lee movement um, later on. That, mm. that record just, I don't know that, that song in that movie at that particular point, I was in the theater. And I still remember it to this. Wow. Not in the theater, mm. but you know, wherever I see mm-hmm. it, home video, DVD, but, um, yeah, I just love that song, and I still it's one of my favorite records to this day. Nice. Mm. That movie is so full of good music. Yeah, I mean, Wes Anderson's got great, you know. I know people... Yeah. I'm kind of... I'm becoming a Wes Anderson apologist, because now I feel like he was overrated. <laughs> mm. I think he's kind of becoming underrated. But um, mm-hmm. I think his, his mm-hmm. initial, like, you know, slate of movies is great. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think the thing is, like, people... People underrate him because they're not paying attention to how sad everything is or feeling into it. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like the twee is sort of a smokescreen for like a lot of real profound sadness for sure. and loneliness. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I gosh, I it's interesting. I'm trying to think of like, I don't know that I would like take the stand and defend this album, but I was obsessed with, you know, I already mentioned it, but the soundtrack to A Lifeless Ordinary had a lot of stuff, a lot of bangers mm-hmm. on there for me. And I just went to look up like what some of the. Um, entries are but like it opens with a backtrack so there's Deadweight has this kind of like Latin 
groove vibe on there. You've got Luscious Jackson. It's oh, so they of were its great. era. Oh yeah. my god, they were great. Um, Sneaker Pimps, um, wow, REM, yeah. Folk Implosion. Yeah, I, like, I got it up right now. Yeah, folk. Yeah, there you go. At Cardigans, you know, Scroll Nut Zippers. Got to get that swing revival in there. Um, prodigy, the Prodigy. Yeah, wow. <laughs> this is super nineties. Yeah, it's so nineties. But I really, I listened to the hell out of it. I loved it. Beyond the Sea. It was probably my first introduction to Beyond the Sea, which is a great track. It is. Jason, what about you? Um, mine also is from a Wes Anderson movie that I've only seen once. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou ends with mm-hmm. uh, David Bowie's Queen Bitch. And that's uh, just yeah. always a good, always a good drop. That's uh, a good song. The way that that song like, is so, I don't know, energetic and upbeat at the end of a movie. Like literally credits mm-hmm. end. Um, it, 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 like, that, I always think about that when I think about moments in movies that like are accompanied by licensed music in particular. Uh, mm-hmm. That one always sticks out. Sorry, I'm trying to get to my next question if there is another one. Yeah. Well, there's so many Bowie covers in Portuguese. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah. That's Su, a... Su, 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 <laughs> Su, I don't know how to, George. Yeah. George. I'm trying George? not to George, do it wrong. I don't know how to um, pronounce, but yes. <laughs> one, someone asked if, if they would rather listen, to, only listen to autobiographical music. But it comes to what we were talking about, I guess. Um, autobiographical music or music mm. that's totally work, work of fiction. And I guess maybe it's because I'm a fiction actor. And I, that I'd like, I, I'm like, I don't, if it feels real, I don't care. Like, I don't care if it's, as long as you're speaking a truth. Right. Um, so I don't know, maybe there's a more interesting or different perspective on that or a more interesting answer to that. Folks. Uh, that was Tom Blackburn, by the way, I should mention who left us that question. But mm. yeah, Matt, the question is um, whether like, I guess some truth, if there, if that exists in, in art, um, uh, yeah. If, if that is important to you in music or if you prefer music that's like totally fictitious. I mean, I don't necessarily prefer one or the other, but I mean, it's not important to me. You know what I mean? That, that, that I, I don't need mm-hmm. to think that there's some sort of truth, but again, I mean, not to get too philosophical, but I sort of like question, I feel like even the, even like, you know, when you're performing at some level, you're performing, right? Like, and the, even, mm-hmm. even like say a, a Delta blues man that was captured by like a field recorder. Like he's conscious mm-hmm. of the, the recorder there. He's conscious that this guy has come down mm-hmm. from New York to record him. He's conscious that he's got an audience. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't necessarily believe that, you know, anything's not a performance in a certain way. That doesn't mean it can't like mm-hmm. incorporate truth to it, but I think there's always some level of artifice. Like as soon as you're, maybe if you're like literally just singing to yourself in a room with nobody else there. But I think as soon as even like one person in the room to me, it becomes sort of like mm-hmm. there is a uh, a distance there. Hmm. Interesting. Or potentially an opportunity to be more of yourself than you are in your everyday. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't oh. think there's any right or wrong answer to those those questions, you know. But yeah, I think both of those things are are yeah. true. I think they're just sides of a coin. I'm not a big, I'm not big on like rules about music. You know, I just, I think that mm. certain things can work, and then the totally opposite thing can work for another artist. Hmm. Very wise. What What are mm-hmm. the more, I guess exculpatory questions um <laughs> comes from jason wojnar who asks were any of you antagonized for your music tastes when you were young jason's example is listening to uh classic rock in school and kids were not kind to him for it oh uh, though, no though he says that looking back on it he was probably dismissive of modern music so that maybe annoyed mm. a lot of people um looking <laughs> back and meeting those people again they said they didn't realize how far ahead of the curve he was uh because now as adults they listen to that music that he used to listen to as a kid <laughs> Um, right. But yeah, like, did you get picked on for specifically for your music tastes at, you know, in grade school, I guess? 
It's such an intimate question. I was picked on for other reasons, <laughs> and then I became, and then I became a music snot. I went through, I guess, like it for exculping, exculpating. I don't know what that is, but whatever. Um, I like, yeah, I I tried on a lot of different vibes and aesthetics when I I was determined to be kind of un you know, tenable socially. And so I would like kind of copy wholesale different shticks and things and whatever. So I tried on a lot of different music. But by the time I was in maybe fifth grade or sixth grade, I became so very, very conscious and kind of like reflective and detailed and like almost lawyerly about my taste because I was constructing it by hand for the first time, kind of. And like, Hmm. it was important to me to kind of reinforce my opinion with like, something I could stand on because I had spent all this time just sort of trying on other people. Um, and so I found myself being really snotty about stupid shit. Like I was too good for the Spice Girls, like whatever. I was like, ah, oh, like I had so much like internalized misogyny. It's like fucking stupid. I was like, you know what? Fuck that. To Become One is a good song <laughs> and very good sex education. So yeah. screw, screw small Sarah. She didn't know. Yeah. Spice World. I went, yeah. to, I went to that in the theater with a couple of friends <laughs> and we decided to go to Spice World. It was, it's a, that's quite a movie. Um, it is. Yeah. I guess Doesn't, for me, I, I I really wasn't, but I, I guess I never really. You were just too cool. No, I just didn't. I always liked a lot of different stuff and I would sort of, but I, I guess if, if people were playing a certain kind of music, I would just sort of vibe with whatever that was. You know what I mean? I didn't necessarily. Mm. Like, mm. And at home, I would listen to a lot of different stuff to myself, but, or in my car, but I guess I just didn't really make like that big of a deal about what I was listening to. So I don't know if people even like knew mm. what I was listening mm. to because it was just sort of in my Walkman or, you know what I mean? Or Discman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, not, not, not really, but I guess I just probably, cause I sort of, I just didn't really make, I don't know, make that known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had a weird time of it because through much of elementary school, all the way up through high school, I was homeschooled. So it was hard to be like mm. poked fun at by right. much of anybody except like brothers and sisters, which when are they not poking fun at you? Um, I had such a, co- I got way in my head about selecting my album for this podcast Yeah, in a way that I is, that is that precise vulnerability that I was like, just so scared. I was like, whoa, no. <laughs> Yeah, to, it, was, it was touched a very deep place. Yeah, yeah. To be mm-hmm. able to like the kimono a little bit, uh, there were quite a few albums and quite varied that you sent to me as like a filter. <laughs> maybe maybe we could like start hashing them down. And I was really excited to see sure. the, the wide variety there. Uh, I'm glad we landed oh, where we thanks. did. But yeah, but, it uh, out great. yeah, I, I don't think absolutely. Um, so that again is our community questions segment. Uh, join us in the MinMax Discord. You can support MinMax at any tier on Patreon. From I think it's now two dollars to. Well, hell, you make up a number yeah. um, a month Six and figures. you get access to our Discord and mm-hmm. uh, and all sorts of cool stuff. Um, but until then, I, one of the last things we do on every episode is we play a song that the community suggested. This song that sure. we're going to play over our outro uh, comes from Umrayan, who uh, asked the question about uh, movie and TV series film, excuse me, music. Um, Umrayan suggests Janet K. Silly Games, which was in a small axe uh, fil- or piece, I guess. Oh, I want to see um, those. I heard those are great. Yeah. Well, what? you might hear this song. Silly Games by Janet Kay is what we're going to outro with. Uh, so, hmm. Matt, whenever you want to take us out. Well, number one, Sarah, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. We really appreciate it. and It was super fun. Thank you. Thanks so much. This was a great Yeah, play. yeah, it was a blast. And uh, again, just to reinforce, uh, if you'd like to support our show and also Ben Hansen and the crazy kids over there at MinMax, you can go to patreon.com slash M-I-N-N-M-A-X. Uh, they do a lot of cool stuff and, uh, you know, also support what we're doing. Uh, but, you know, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you, uh, you know, leaving, you know, reviews uh, or recommendations uh, are always very welcome. So thanks for that. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>